We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nick Wilson, Dustin Fox, it is a football Friday. It is an F-off Friday. It is a Mother Nature is telling us to F-off Friday. How you doing, fella? I'm good, man. The roads were getting a little uh, dicey coming into downtown Cleveland this afternoon. I think the general rule of thumb in a case like this is the snow is bad enough, but the bad drivers make it really where the danger comes out. Like, I'm driving down 77 to downtown Cleveland or up 77 north, and, like, some guy's, like, in a, like a U-Haul. And he's going like 90 miles an hour, and, and the roads are covered. Yep. I'm like, you have a death wish. Yeah. Also, the person that is going, and I don't, like, if you if you don't feel comfortable going 40, no, don't don't go faster than you feel comfortable going. Go to the right lane. Yeah, but, but also don't then go into the center lane at the same speed you were already going at and stay at that speed. Big facts. And, you know, there's, honestly, here's the thing. We all have like cliches we say about drivers and bad weather. Yeah. Um, there are bad truck drivers out there. There are bad um, Honda Civic drivers. There are bad, and, and like it, it really just comes down to you never know what kind of asinine stuff somebody's going to try and pull around you. And I will say, 15 years ago, Nick Wilson would not have handled today's inclement weather very well. Today, didn't raise my voice didn't um didn't really I don't know try and push anybody off the road the point is I've really grown on this and today be safe out there yes like I'm not I know I know Andy and Dan just kind of said a very similar thing but we like having you being able to listen to our show we love when you you know send at Nick Wilson says at Dustin Fox 37 uh, how much you wish one of us or both of us or neither of us were ever on air again and we you're here to either fuel us with your love or your hate so be very careful out there because it is, I mean, like we're, we're looking downtown right now and it's squirrely. There's that, I, I don't really know what the approximation of squirrely is, but like it's squirrely outside. It's very squirrely. Am I so, too whimsical with that language? Am I not serious enough with, uh, with, with the level of uh, severity, uh, severe severity? I know what I did there. Um, am I one, not be- one, of, one of those words? Yeah. Well, I think it's both and I just used it twice in like a, 10 sentence words are hard um 10 word sentence that's that finally we got there that's the one yeah we finally got there but no we got a lot today i know if you have you heard about this have you seen about this have you heard about this the browns are looking for an offensive coordinator that's a thing um ohio state found their offensive coordinator that's a thing Cavs are winning again even though it's without half of their their core and Beating a bunch of bunch of bad teams, or you know, you know, maybe the Bucks without Giannis. I'm just saying, like they're winning, so there's that. Um, nobody's paying attention to baseball, so that's check that off the list. That's yeah, really good. We got a nice. Oh, and uh, honestly, here's what football this weekend. And oh, just oh, oh, do we have games this weekend? I'm just is, ready is this for like it. a big weekend. I'm not sure because last I checked, there's some damn good football games on this weekend. Yeah, it's funny. Like you and I were talking pre-show. 
the bittersweet thing about the Browns losing last week is we didn't get to experience what I think is my favorite part about just everybody in America paying attention to these these one game at a time things. And when you when you look at this weekend, uh, I, it, I know, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or prisoner of the moment, but like this is and I, this it almost feels like schmaltzy to say this. This is where like dynasties are formed. This is where legacies are won and lost. And like, it's like an Eminem song. I, I, I was going to start to say, and then you got to lose yourself, but I don't remember the rest of the song. Um, knees, weak arms are heavy. That's just because I'm coming off being sick and I'm also fat. So I'm going to be a little sweaty. You had one shot, man. One opportunity. I mean, what are you going to do? I'm going to say, I'm going to watch the Texans Ravens game this weekend. That's what I would do. I'm rooting hard for the Texans. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. Like I, I need me a Bills home AFC championship game. Them this is this is okay, this is a real point about that game. Usually, anytime a team beats you in the playoffs, you want that team to lose in a fiery, desperate, embarrassing way in the next round. I don't feel that way about the Texans. I really I think CJ Stroud is a hell of a kid. I think D'Amico Ryans is somebody I wished I could have played football for. Like, I just I got to say, they got me. I think I think Cal McNair is a first-class ass clown. I don't care. Because su- everybody else in that org Dude, seems I, awesome. I'm such a sucker. Well, first off, I had a nice hit this morning on uh, Adrian Manorino in the Aussie Open. And so, with that being said... That's I, tennis talk for you who are not familiar tennis with the, talk for you the lingo. out there, you, uh, you folks. So, I put in a little parlay for the weekend. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this parlay? What do you think about this horse? <laughs> can, I, can I tell you what it is? You may. I may? Well, thank you. I'm going to tell you either way. So I took the... Um, lay by the bay. Maybe the te- roll in I, some I, hay. I bought, I, bought the, I bought the Texans to 11. Spread on some Bengay? <laughs> Just may. Get some bowls of clay? Hey! If, if anybody says they like this segment, we'll say nay, nay, nay. It's just not my thing. Oh, so let a, let a naysayer know. <laughs> Tell me about this before we get. So I got the Texans plus eleven. I bought him. I bought an extra point and a half. Mm-hmm. I took the over in that game, forty three. Uh, I took the Bills minus two and a half, the Lions minus six and a half, and then the over fifty and a half in the Packers Niners game. So you know, the only one I really struggled with is the Lions minus six and a half versus Lions in the money line, and I know that there's like a huge difference in the value there. I I kind of think I know what's going to happen. I think I know it in I think I know 3 it. of the 4 games. I kind of think Bucks versus Lions is a it's not a wild card game though. It was last week. I think it's kind of a wild card of a game. Like if you told me the Lions just came out at home and just put the boots to Baker and ended it right there, I could I get it. Right? I, I I don't know how Baker's going to be able to deal with that environment because the, the Lions are, I mean, they have not been in the situation for, for like 35 years. Yeah. So like that, that environment's going to be pretty dope. I can't wait to watch it. That's the, the Sunday game before the Bills. Game, That's right? the 3 p.m. game. Yeah. I'll be watching that at the uh, the tailgate parties. That's going to be. You dude, got- so last Dude, last night. First off, we'll get into the jacket conversation later. Mm-hmm. But uh, so last night after the show, I went to Dick's Sporting Goods and got a bunch of like just more cold weather stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Home Depot, got myself a little uh, 
little propane heater for the uh, little tailgate party. I like that. Now, uh, how are we going to use it? Like, what's is that just? So for I'm planning on just like setting up a few like foldable chairs, and I bought like this foldable. Mm-hmm. Uh, our car's got like a plug, so I can, I'm going to bring like a crock pot and make some hot dogs and just have some snacks. And I'm going to put the uh, the Lions game on the uh, the big iPad. Are you guys gonna do bring the, the tur- bring the turtle box? The uh, the the what is it? The cooler in the trunk where you oh, just. I got a I got a big Yeti. Uh, I got like the big big Yeti. Now is everybody ready to to tailgate in this environment? Oh, I don't care. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Listen, it's this, kind of a this, once in a lifetime thing. So this is Tat- so Tat- Tatum's my son, and this is Tatum's birthday gift. My son, like tickets weren't cheap for for this game, bro. Yeah. So like I'm like because because my daughter got Taylor Swift last year. Mm-hmm. Tatum's getting the Bills game. I kind of feel like Taylor Swift was a little more expensive. A little bit. Don't tell little man that. You know what though? And, and you know what's funny? My daughter, who she, I mean, she's okay with football. She when she knew that the Chiefs were playing the Bills, she's like, I'm going. I actually so because of Tay Tay. I think I think it's the most intriguing matchup you could have from the Chiefs and Bills this year because it's in Buffalo. Because it's Mahomes' mm. first um Road playoff game. Road playoff game. And then there's the two years ago, the revenge factor. You know, like, if you're the Bills, honestly, you'd rather meet up with the Chiefs now. Because if you beat the Chiefs now, you're going to feel like you can beat anyone, even if that's not the case. And it just, like, it's so funny because so many different times, like two years ago when Mahomes beat Allen with 12 seconds to go, I really thought, oh, man, I think that was their chance. Because I thought that was the best Bills team to this day. I think that is as talented like, like as when, when Allen hits was a Gabe Davis for the touchdown. Yeah, with 13 seconds yep. to go. Oh. I just that I'm, is. I'm, I still want to vomit thinking about that game. I would imagine most my son of sat Buffalo. next to me on the couch watching that game, and I, I think he may have vomited. <laughs> but I just think like it's it would be so. It, this is the my favorite thing about football is. If you if you stack this team up against the three previous iterations of the Bills, you could probably make a case that any one of those three teams had more talent, whether it was depth, whether it was frontline guys, you know, overall defensive line talent, which is something that they've kind of shed over the last couple of years without being able to really replace. So like to be able to win this year, I just think it'd be a cool story. And that's across the way, like Jordan Love going up against Shanahan in San Francisco with the backdrop of Packers versus 49ers. We've already talked about Chiefs Bills. Uh Bucks versus Lions. And like the other part of that is I could also see Baker. If Baker can silence that crowd early, I think that I think that has a game uh, that game has a chance to be wildly different. And then CJ Stroud versus Lamar Jackson is as intriguing of a matchup as you can get when one of these dudes is the number two pick. Like, if, if C.J. Stroud wins this game, and I, I, I'll i be honest with you guys, I expect the Ravens to win and be in the AFC title game. But They're going to cover the nine and a half? That's a, that's a lot against a quarterback that can sling it in C.J. What are we looking like, like weather-wise in, in the uh, the D.C. metro area? I'm going to go say, I'm going to say 35 and sunny. He's pulling that out your ass? Or? I, yeah, that's 100% what happened. I just kind of, I just channeled it. I'm fat, so I kind of think to myself, um, you know, maybe I could be a weather guy, but no, I, I think the Ravens are going to win, but if CJ Stroud beats Baltimore to go to the AFC title game in his rookie year, we have to start talking about the single greatest rookie performance of any quarterback all time. Not only was he statistically prevalent, but he also like, I mean, no, I'm just looking at this weather, dude. 
So it was 35 and sunny? No, I, so I Googled Ravens weather for the, the game, and it looks like that they're going to be pretty good. And then it says, Buffalo, however, is facing yet another lake effect snow warning ahead of Sunday's game. Yeah. Yeah. Can well, relate. Fire it up, man. Mac, you're looking over there. What do you have? So the weather for Sunday is uh, 35 and sunny. On Saturday, ha! it's 27 and uh, sunshine. Did I Did I call it or did I not? I was just thinking about Sunday. So I was thinking it's Sunday. The game's on Saturday, so I missed it by one day. But if I had remembered it was on Saturday while making my prediction, I would have clearly gone 28. 216. For pulling out your ass, that's a pretty good number to be within one day of being right. I basically, that, honestly, guys, I was more successful at just guessing a prediction for weather this weekend in Baltimore than most meteorologists ever are. So, Fox 8, call me when you're ready, okay? They actually have a lo- lovely team there. Don't fire anybody. Since I was last on air, a bunch of dudes got murked in Berea. Uh, Alex Van Pelt getting fired. Uh, Stump yeah. Mitchell getting fired. You see the... Uh, I, I want to know your thoughts on this because we, J- JP and I have gone through this for the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And you've been off. You've been sick. Now you're, you're feeling a little bit better. Good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, your initial thoughts when you saw this, because to me, I was very, I was very taken aback and I was a little surprised. So I, I, I don't think you can say I wasn't surprised, but in the back of my head, I had always wondered, I felt like watching Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson trying to get on the same page when Deshaun was healthy this year, I thought it was a little exhausting. Yeah. And it's not to say that Kevin was intentionally holding Deshaun back or vice versa, but there doesn't seem to there didn't seem to be enough overlap in their their way of thinking about what the offense should be that it it felt natural at any point. You know, they would have a great half. Um great half. He's got a great half against Tennessee or a great second half against uh, Baltimore. But in terms of putting together a five-game stretch, it just wasn't working. And again, I think it's important to like, I I think sometimes we we just, oh, well, Kevin Stefanski. And we think, well, he's the head coach. But we kind of conveniently toggle between Kevin the head coach and Kevin the OC. And so I thought it made a lot of sense. Like if, if, the goal is to maximize what Deshaun is and what he has been. You got one year where you got him the last six games of uh, 2022. And even though you didn't get to see a bigger sample size this year, I don't think Deshaun's a West Coast quarterback. And I think Kevin is most comfortable in a West Coast setting. That's his offense. And so if the goal is to bring in an outside voice that can add a different flair to this offense and make this offense better fit to Deshaun, I think it's the best decision Kevin Stefanski and the Browns could make. Um, I mean, listen, time will tell. Uh, the, the one thing, like, I, I just don't know how you fire a guy who didn't call plays. I think that's fair. I mean, I to me, I don't think this is too dissimilar to when Drew Petzing had a chance to go to Arizona and, you know, Kevin could have kept him, and all Kevin would have had to do is basically give him play-calling duties and change his title, and you could have kept a, a guy that had been with Kevin since Minnesota. But I think – I what I think is interesting is that Kevin really only has about five more games of playoff experience than Alex Van Pelt, 
And for some reason, Kevin just wasn't willing to hand over the reins to either AVP or, or Drew Petzing. And I don't know why that is. I Because, like, I... I think it's always weird when guys are like, well, they don't have experience. It's like, well, how do you get experience? And, and now as much as I can say that, look at what happened in Philly this year. Like Brian Johnson, first time signal caller on the uh, on the offense, and the, the offense took a huge step back. So I don't know if this is Kevin being cautious. I don't know if it's Kevin knowing his personnel better than us. But like, I will say, like, this is... I'm going to have what I, I don't know if it's a criticism, I, an observation about the names that have been floated in the, the coaching job so far. But when it comes to the actual decision to move on from the offensive coaches, I think this is an area where I'm going to, I'm going to wait to have a bigger reaction until I see how it plays out. Cause if they just fired them to bring in other friends, that's, that to me is the worst part of the game. What NFL. if I like Stump Mitchell? Like every running back, including Nick Chubb, loves that guy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got such a great reputation around the league. Mm-hmm. He's a running back coach. Like, are, is there something behind the scenes that we're missing? Like, is there an OC that they're supposed to get? The OC's like connected at the hip with this running back coach. Like, did you have to get rid of him to get the other guy? Like, I, what's going on? I mean, you know, I mean that that stuff happens all the time. By the way, I do think that they're pretty tight lipped in Berea. Oh, you think? And I think if there was any thought that maybe there was time to move on from Stump for whatever reason, or maybe they felt like any of the leaks that had happened recently, that that could have been, you know, Stump talking to people. Maybe it was these coaches. I don't know. I don't know if that is a factor. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Everybody that I've ever heard has said nice things about Stump Mitchell. 100%. So, you know, it's always, it's one of the weird things of like, Actually, all three dudes seem to be really good football dudes. And in the case of Van Pelt, I can see if you wanted to clear out the quarterback room to have somebody in there to call plays, it makes sense. If this is just, well, those guys were the best guys I could get four years ago, and now I want more of my guys, that stuff happens all the time in the NFL. It's not a death sentence. I also still hate that line of thinking. You know what I mean? Like, the, the... my the Mary Kay last night after you guys went off the air came up with with three names to consider for the Browns OC spot. Uh, it's Zach Robinson, who I think is the running backs coach, amongst other things for the Rams. It's Clint Kubiak, who's the uh, passing game coordinator for the 49ers, and it's Scott Turner, who's been the 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 coordinator in Carolina and in Washington. And I'll be honest with you. I, like I, I the second I saw Alex Van Pelt's out, my assumption was they understand that that Deshaun and Kevin's offenses, like what's necessary, doesn't mesh, and they're going to bring in a new play caller to to make this work. And then when I saw those three names, I thought to myself, Oh, are they just going to bring in more West Coast offense guys? Because that to me would seem antithetical to building this thing around Deshaun. And when I kind of pointed that out on social media, at Nick Wilson says, yesterday, um, one, got a very nice message to go bleep myself, which thank you, Sam. I, that, I had not been sick for two days. I needed to hear that yesterday. I needed a reminder that I'm nothing. Um, but the other thing that I heard was basically, oh, well, what? Deshaun can't fit in the West Coast? If he can't fit in the West Coast, he's a bum. 
which kind of blew my mind. And, it, and a lot of that speaks to where people are with Deshaun in the town of just it's bleep or get off the pot, right? Be an elite quarterback or get the hell out. I think we're, we're, I think, I think there's a lot of frustration for some Browns fans with that. But to me, like, I just think it's the most simple thing in the world that you can do, which is you can, you can build a staff and build a roster around your $230 million quarterback. And so I was a little taken aback when the only thing I saw on the, and again, the Browns have told everybody it's going to be an extensive coaching search. When it's friends of the family that are the first three guys I see in Clint Kubiak, who uh, Gary Kubiak was one of the yeah, great the Kubiak men- name is is very uh, synonymous with the uh, the Stefanski folks. The, the mentorship there, yeah. um, you know Scott Turner. That's a that's kind of an NFL first family with the Turners. You know Zach Robinson's coming from the Sean McVay tree. Scott Turner. That's the one who I had dinner with with Albert. Oh, when Jerry Jones bought us dinner, the Turners are good people. I couldn't remember. Turners his name. are very, very good yeah, people. Good dude. Um, I actually really liked Norv too. Yeah, I, I always I hated how things yeah. ended here, but kind of getting back to it, like I, I want to remain. I want to. I'm, I'm open to the idea that this thing's going where it needs to go, and I, I'm going to try and trust the Browns that they know where they want this to go, and they're just kind of letting it play out, but. When when I heard those three names, I was really predictable, and it was the kind of names I would expect to hear if it wasn't really going to be an exhaustive search. And that doesn't mean that it won't work out. It doesn't mean that it would be doomed to fail without Deshaun, or, you know, with Deshaun rather. But it just felt like, ooh, if you, if you're saying an exhaustive search, and then it's from kind of all the the same old particular players. With a with an emphasis on on West Coast offense predominantly of those three candidates, that left me wanting to see what the other names were, because I don't see how you can't bring in somebody who can give you the flair. And listen, I'll be honest with you, because because the big talk is well, Kevin might give up play calling duty if you just fired Kevin Stefan or if you just fired AVP to bring in another coach that is going to basically just be a do-boy to make the game plans and not call the plays. What'd you call him? A do-boy. What's that, like an F-boy? <laughs> no, it's like a, it's like a, uh, what's it, an errand boy. That's what what's an errand? Oh, uh, like a person. That like a it. gopher. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We got it. It took us seven times. But... Yeah, one of the legendary. Uh, beat reporters across the NFL. Now I probably just made him feel old by saying that, but uh, he is Bill's sideline reporter, host of the Extra Point Show, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on WGR 550 in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio joins us now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Sal, welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, guys. When I hear the word legend, I mean, first of all, thank you. that You're way too kind. I definitely feel like I should be much older. And I'm like, am I that old now that someone would refer to me that way even if they're just trying to be nice? So I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to talk to you guys. So I was just on, we've got an Ohio State podcast, um, and I was just on it, and my co-host said, oh, you can have perspective on this because you're older than me. And huh. in fairness, I'm eight years older than him. That's that's significant, but it still felt like a gigantic kick in the nards. Okay, so I host a show in Buffalo every day, 10 to 12. And I'm just going to say I'm 50. I just turned 50 this past year. And my co-host is 20 years younger than me. 
it is amazing some of the things that we talk about that he has no idea of or that I have no idea of, right? And it makes for great radio because we go back and forth. He might mention a band. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? And then I'll say, like, hey, did you ever see Fletch? He's like, what's Fletch? I mean, things like that happen on the show. I had the same issue this year. My partner for ESPN, Sal, was uh, 26, and, and he's 15 years younger than me. Not not quite the difference with you, but, like, I he, I had to ask him, like, yeah, you've seen the program, right? And he's like, what, what, what he's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, only one of the greatest football movies of all time? Listen, try explaining the 89 Bills-Browns divisional playoff to somebody who wasn't around back then, right? I mean, one of the greatest games I was ever at, I was actually a – I was a high school student. I was in 10th grade, I believe. My dad drove me and a couple of friends over to Cleveland. And, um, you know, it's the game Ronnie Harmon dropped the pass, Clay Matthews at the end. I remember that. But you know, we're so far removed from that now that it's amazing to talk about things like that. And you just have a younger generation who doesn't know. And, you know, that's just the circle of life, but it is pretty crazy to me. Well, and so I'm a little bit younger than you, but there is an age from about 35 to about 55 where you're too old for a good deal of, of the, the society and you're too young for the other part, and you're just in this no-man's land where everybody's either calling you a boomer or a kid. And it is so confusing what I'm supposed to be on any given moment to anybody else. Well, listen, I mean, as long as we're on this, right? I mean, I know we're going to talk football here in a second. This is great. It is true, too, because it's not just that. Like, when I go on the road, so I, you know, I, I cover the team. I'm on the sidelines for all the games. Like, when I go on the road, I, I mean, some of my friends, they're either the people I hang out with are either much older than me who've been on the beat for a long time or much younger than me who are kind of new to it. And, yeah, I'm caught in between sometimes, and it's a vastly different experience depending on which group I'm hanging with, essentially. Oh, one day. One day. I was going to say one day, but no, I'm never going to be young again. So I guess I'll just, I'll just have to hopefully age appropriately. Um, so... As we look to this game, I'm curious how Buffalo fans are feeling being that you guys have had such a great back-and-forth rivalry with Kansas City, and now this time it's in Buffalo. I think Bills fans are just so, so relieved that they got the Chiefs in their place this time. That There's, there's two things that are going into this game. But that's the relief and the optimism part, which is, you know what, we got them here. We've been waiting for them for years that's really what the Bills have been trying to do. The Bills have been trying to get this game, this team, and their house for the last four years, ever since they lost the AFC Championship in the COVID year to Kansas City, went back again, lost with 13 seconds left. We know how all that turned out. But, you know, now you get them here. Now you get them exactly where you wanted them for the last few years. And the Bills fans are jacked, man. We are, the, the, we are jacked here in the city just for this game and knowing what it means. But Bills fans are ready for this. They want to make it so loud. And you know what adds to it, guys, is – Bills fans know this is Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game, right? They, they want to give him, okay, oh, you think you know what it's like on the road, right, in the playoffs? No, let us show you what it's like. There's a, a lot of that here. But the other part of it is a lot of apprehension because the Bills are just really banged up on defense. And, you know, there's some key players already declared out. There may be some more they're not going to be able to play. And I think that's the, oh, my gosh, like, could this really happen again? What if we lose this game? Like everything we've worked for for the last four years, you get them here at your house, and here we are again having the same story. I don't know if we'll ever beat this team. That's what the flip side is. Sal, I'm heading up tomorrow. I'm going to the game, bringing the fam. Can't wait to come back. And uh, I'm a little nervous about the weather tomorrow and on Sunday. What do we got cooking with this lake effect snow? Do not be. Lake effect is done. Okay, we are good. snowing right now. It's not really a lake effect. It's more of a oh, light uh, snow and like kind of some normal stuff. 
Uh, tomorrow you're going to get some snow. It's going to be cold tomorrow. It'll be in the, in the teens, um, but nothing that you should be too worried about. Now, coming from the direction you guys are coming from, um, yeah, you'll have some, some snow to deal with. It'll be a little slower drive. Once we get to Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, okay. it's really going to start to clear up, guys. And Sunday, it's just going to be really kind of a bit of a colder day, not even that bad. It's going to be mid-20s, I believe, and going to be pretty much clear skies, no precipitation for the game. What you saw last week against Pittsburgh is pretty much what you're going to get when you watch the game on TV. It'll actually be a little bit warmer, so don't no, nothing really to worry about the weather. It is snowing right now. It's the, it's the soft, fluffy stuff, and that's yeah. not lake effect anymore. That's pretty much done. Well, that's positive news. I'm excited about that. It'll be a little bit warmer for the game on Sunday. Let me ask you this. So let's go back to the middle of the season. You know, the Bills are 6-6. Six and six. Um, They rattle off all these wins. Uh, they, they fire Ken Dorsey. Uh, Joe Brady comes in as interim offensive coordinator, and it seems the offense started cooking after that. Is this something that Bills fans are, are excited about? Is this something long-term? Like, what do we feel like this offense? Where's the offense headed, I, I guess I should say? Well, look, I think there's been a few changes since Joe Brady took over. Um, one of them is you're seeing Josh Allen as a part of the run game a little bit more. And it's funny to say, see and say because you know, for how long did I you know, go on radio stations in the offseason or early season and what's always the narrative about the Bills? That they have to do they – can't, they can't let Josh Allen do everything and be Superman. To be honest, guys, he wasn't early in the year. And we were saying he's got to run more. Like, like that's part of your offense. There's certain times where you've got to have this guy take the ball and take over. And that wasn't happening. And I know the organization doesn't want him, you know, taking all these shots and everything. But, you know, once Joe Brady took over, he said, look, I mean, I got Josh Allen. We got to win games. That's what's got to be. And he's been more of a part of the run game. Now, that said, James Cook has also been very good. I think the run game overall with Josh added, added in, but with James Cook, I think there's, that's been a really, really nice balance for this team. And James Cook is another part of what has changed, which is he is getting the ball out of the backfield as a receiver as well. They're utilizing – more of their strengths than what Ken Dorsey did. As far as where it ends, I guess I'd say tell me where the season ends and how it ends, and you never know. I mean, look, if Joe Brady, if this team goes on and happens to win a Lombardi trophy, even gets to the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Brady, if there's another head coaching vacancy out there, if he even gets a look, to be quite honest. Now, it might be too late, but, I mean, obviously in that situation, you'd be kind of looking at, you know, pretty much naive to think the Bills wouldn't want to bring him back, but you never know what happens with that long term. Sal Capaccio on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, so if you look at the way this season went, I know that there's about 17 of these moments in any season, but if Kadarius Toney isn't lined up offsides and called for it in that game, um, that is one loss extra for the Bills, and they are out of the playoffs. In that event, if if for whatever reason they don't call Kadarius Toney being offsides, is Sean McDermott still the head coach in Buffalo? Well, let me first say that let's remember there was over a minute left, and the Bills have Josh Allen on their team. If that happens, the Bills might still score a touchdown. They might go down, kick whatever it was to score. But I understand your point, what you're saying. I mean, you know, a lot was made about Tony, and they cost the game. That could be true, but you never know. The Bills had the ball. They could have gone down and scored. Now, if they lose the game and they miss the playoffs, I think there's some serious conversations here. Now, there have been already a lot of people who have said all year – that they believe that the Bills, you know, this is before they are in the position they are now, but a lot of fans would call our station and say they've hit the ceiling with Sean McDermott, they can't get past Kansas City or Cincinnati, he's done a great job, but it's time to move on, it's time to get somebody else in here new. I understand that thought, but from my perspective, I will tell you guys, I do not think that Terry or Kim Pagula have any inclination to do that considering what Sean McDermott has meant to this organization, the way he operates with Brandon Bean, 
the fact that they're always pretty much perennial contenders, and I know in your situation they wouldn't be in your hypothetical here, but this guy has made the playoffs six out of seven years. And I think that one you know, dip in a year would not cause them to say, we're going to change everything. You never know. It is a bottom-line business. I understand that. But we have a new stadium coming across the street. Terry Pagula is heavily invested in. He owns the Buffalo Sabres hockey team, which has the longest drought going in uh, hockey as far as making the playoffs. He's got a lot of focus on trying to fix that. I just don't think he'd have an appetite for changing the head coach, especially what this head coach has meant to him in this organization. Sal, we were talking about that that play, you know, the 12 seconds, 13 seconds left on the clock, Mahomes, divisional round yep. two years ago. And I remember at the time, I thought that was the, the Bills team of destiny. I thought that was as good talent-wise functionality as they they had been. And honestly, like I, I put this team up against that team, and I still think that's the better team. I'm not, that's not to say this team isn't pretty darn good, by the way. So I'm just curious, like where do you guys look at this team up against the previous iterations of Buffalo teams that have, have in, in some instances, won more games or maybe had high, um, more high-powered defenses or offenses? How do you guys see that? I think I and most people here would agree with you. That's the best look this team has had at it. And that would probably be one for one, a better team. I mean, look at the weapons they had, right? Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, the group they had on that team compared to now. And, you know, at times it can be a struggle for some of the weapons to kind of break free. And they've had to do it a little bit differently. They have a little better run game. Now that said, I agree with that, but it is a different situation now where you might even argue they have a better look at it now because there's no Joe Burrow in the playoffs anymore. You are at home for this game. Who knows? I don't think the Ravens are going to lose, but you never know. You could host the AFC Championship game. So, yes, I agree with you. Most Bills fans would. We, we here in Buffalo, most of us agree, if the Bills don't lose the lead with 13 seconds left, they might they probably win the Super Bowl. They at least go to it. Let's remember Kansas the Cincinnati did go to Kansas City and win, right? They could have come to Buffalo and won. We know that. That happens in sports. But certainly that's probably – that's what people are kind of, you know, holding in the back of their head like, oh, my God, that was our chance, 13 seconds. Don't ever let me just say – that was the only chance they'll ever have. This is the chance, the now, to, the Sunday, to write that, to get past Kansas City, to get to the AFC Championship game, which it would have been that year. But this might be the better look at it, guys, simply because of the way the AFC is right now and the fact that you're at home here. Sal, you're aging like a fine wine. You did tremendous work with us today. We appreciate you, buddy. And and good luck. There's uh, plenty of people in Cleveland rooting for Buffalo to, to, to get over the, the hump here and, and win that first title. You know... For many, many, many years growing up, I never wanted Cleveland to win a title because Buffalo didn't have one. And we were all very similar and, you know, Rust Belt cities. But I'll tell you guys, I was so happy for Cleveland when LeBron came back and Cleveland got a title. It really was awesome to see. It was special. And, um, you know, I, I would love to see our two cities be able to finally have championships up here. So thanks for that. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you, buddy. Sal Capaccio there on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. There's a part of me, and I, I, I hate to be, I feel like I'm the, the jealous sister, because I, I do, I'm genuinely rooting for Buffalo. I'm, I'm, I think I'm rooting for Detroit in the NFC. Um, in a weird way, I can't be disappointed if Baker makes it to an a, a NFC title game. Like, there, there actually are a, a few teams I'm rooting for, but like Buffalo... I think I'd be happiest if if Buffalo ended up making it to a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl because it's just I'll never forget that I'll never forget 2016 
And we got really close to having two titles in one year. I'll never forget that entire thing. And, you know, like when the Lakers win another title, I, 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 I... We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Detest it. When Boston wins another title or, or the Patriots win another title, ugh, it makes me cringe, hate it, seen it, don't care anymore. Um, but when a team wins a title for the first time, like with the Bucks with Giannis three years ago, and it, granted, that was the first time in 50 years they had won the one with Kareem and in uh, Oscar back in 71. But like, it's just, just special. That being said, everything he said about Buffalo on why not this year because of the flux status of the AFC, it's totally what you could say about the Browns this year had they just been able to get past Houston. Golly, what an absolute just lame duck we were. Well, and it's so funny because this whole week, like, I know people are upset at the way that that game went. Do you think that there are people that are so upset about that game, Nick, that this weekend they're just going to, like, not even, they're going to, like, watch Netflix instead of watching the these games? I think, yeah. I mean, because I think, I think there are several people, like, I, I didn't watch the game after on Saturday night after the Browns. Uh, Texas yeah, game. It, I, I hate watched it. It was it was too soon. I, I got back on board for Sunday, and obviously Monday. But like right. that day. So like, if people are out there, like you know what, we're gonna be snowed in. It's gonna be me, Frosty, and Netflix and chill. Like I I kind of get it. I don't think I can hate, but I'll be honest with you. We're gonna I'm gonna be watching this weekend, thinking. You tell me the Browns couldn't hang with these guys. And I just, I, I know that I feel like I sound like like uh, like a bitter pill, like either RG three or Jay Gruden sound on social media right now, but like, it is. It's just how I feel, man. Like I, I think so much of the delayed reaction it's how I feel, man. So much of the delayed re- reaction from the Browns Texans was, I think, just shock. Like, because we we weren't going to call for Kevin Stefanski to get fired after what he did. We're, you know, Andrew Barry built a hell of a roster. You weren't, we weren't going to besmirch Joe Flacco. We're not going to go after the entire defensive roster. Like a team that won together all year, lost together in the playoffs. So there was no outlet. Like in the World Series, it was Michael Bleep and Martinez. I cursed that man for a week afterwards. In the 2015 um, NBA playoffs, it was Kelly Olynyk, that long-haired hippie freak. For for tearing uh, Kevin Love's shoulder out of his socket, we that, don't. That, who's that the cost me a parlay the other night? Kelly Olynyk. Wanted to kill him. He continues to bite he's people not, in the booty. He's not good enough at basketball to still be in the league. It's he's seven foot tall and can shoot a three pointer. It's all ba- you need. Barely. Well, yeah, but but the point is, it's like a lefty that can throw ninety versus a righty that can throw ninety in baseball. You're gonna have a you have a job. Although 90 is no longer... Okay, lefty that can throw 93 versus a righty who can throw 93. It but, was like a hair tie that my daughter wears. I mean, is, it, is that not good? It just looks weird. 
he's a he is an he, odd looking. He, he's guy. an odd looking duck, dude. Like he's like a like a bad. Like, he's like he's a you, villain too. If you tried to three D print Stephen Adams, but you didn't have all the right ingredients, right? Because he's not as tough. He's not as good of a basketball player. He's not as funny. But he kind of, if you squint and kind of ignore how much he's not like Steven Adams, he could kind of convince yourself that's kind of like Steven Adams. It's not bad. Are you looking up Steven Adams right now? I mean, I think I just lost Dustin. Steven Adams from Wish? Is is Kelly Olenek like the submersible? (laughs) Oh. Oh. Like like a cheaper version of a submarine? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I don't know why my mind went there. I don't know, but it, I, I, I am I am a sicko. In fairness, you own. Fairness, I've been it. up since three a.m. That is also fair. Am I um, sick, by the way, for setting an alarm to wake up for a tennis match? Yes. Why? <laughs> you don't get to know. That's you didn't ask for an explanation. You just asked. Am I, asked I the sick? question? Then I wanted you to show your work. Uh, no, that's I, I. Had I known there was a follow up, I would not have elaborated. I would have just said, You didn't ah, elaborate at all. You just said yes. Well, okay, but I answered. Maybe that's a better way. You wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night for a sporting event you really wanted to see, Nick? I don't think there's any. I, I, oh, yes, there is. Maybe an NFL game. I mean, maybe maybe a nothing Browns that's game. going on like right now. But Maybe a Browns game. What, what, if the Browns the were playing, what if the Browns were playing a game? It's the uh, the Japanese series. What? I know. I'm trying to figure out t- the time frame here. I know. Why did you laugh about that? Because the branding, it's the it's the Browns versus the Bengals in the Japanese series. You know they used to do that. Like my uncle played in the Japanese Japanese game way back in the day. That's a real thing. I did it, not. It know. It was a real thing, dude. I feel like I learned something today. Like in the seventies, they used to play games like over in Japan. All they the didn't time. call it the Japanese series, though, did they? Maybe. I, I, again, I'm not saying I don't like it. Just give it a chance to to grow on it. I mean, the NFL would never put them in a window like that, though. Uh, I mean, they put them at 9 a.m. on a Sunday when most people are in church. So I would imagine the NFL yeah, yeah, has they would the never to- They would never do something at 2, 3 a.m. I Never. I think you just found the one league that you could say would never, and they most they, certainly they would. would. never do it. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? The NFL no, I'm not could, kidding you. They the would NFL, never do it. The NFL could put the Super Bowl at 3 a.m. on a Sunday, and they would still have the exact same amount uh, of viewers. No. 100%. Don't, don't you years. remember that game they played? Was it like the Yankees and the Blue Jays they played? I think it was in Japan. And it was like the the regular season opener. They do that pretty much every year now. I know, but the game was at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like yeah. If you were a Yankees fan, you wouldn't wake up for that? No. Okay. I, I personally think road openers are weak, and I understand you have to have it. Half the league's going to open on the road. This is not about the opener. I'm just saying it's a game of your team playing in the middle of the night. No, I can't. No. What okay? Well, let's go one step further. Let's say that you, because uh, I know how much money you make, because you're you're uh, you're loaded. That's but fair. Let's say you People and Ness say and the Nick kids. Wilson's got a lot of money. That's you you and Ness and the kids are uh, you're overseas. Let's say you're let's say you're in Australia. Okay. And you uh, very specific. And you want to watch a Browns game, but that game's going to be in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Uh, how long am I in Australia for? I mean, you're not going to Australia for less than ten days. Okay. Um, how long have I been there? When the game. Why so many questions? Um, why you wait so long? <laughs> well, why so many questions? Because the details matter. 
if if I've just been the, if I'm jet lagged and it's one day in, there's not a chance you're in really, hell. You're really getting into some, to some to weed, the weeds. weeds here. Yeah. yeah, because that's what matters. If I'm there for 24 hours and there's a game and I'm still catching up on sleep, I'm sorry, Browns. I'll catch up with uh, what happened on the papers. I'll watch it when I get back. If it's two days before I leave, damn sure not doing I mean, it. You and Peter Lynn value your sleep more than anybody I've known. Yes. Yes, I do. Dude, I, I slept four hours last night. That's not good. No, I feel great. Well, not if it's every night, but I you can do no, this, this is, so this so so my sleep schedule in January is very erratic. Mm-hmm. Because depending on what match is going to be played in the middle of the night, I'm going to make sure I set my alarm to, to get up and watch it. Mm-hmm. Like this morning I wanted to watch the Shelton Manorino match. Oh man, I was it just was, and it was a five setter. These guys played for almost five hours. I was just reading a New York Times article, which now I can't find. Yeah, was it about Manorino? No, it's it was about the importance of consistent sleep schedule. So enjoy your four hours of sleep. I'm gonna live forever. I'm I'm going to be yeah, not three, until you lose some weight. I'm gonna be 350 pounds and I'm gonna live to be 90 simply because I, I have a consistent. Sorry. I am fat. sleep okay. and coffee. Yeah. Sleep, coffee, and bacon. ranch dressing. The, the coffee that he told us you never drink. Bang. No, this is not coffee. This is uh, throat coat. Okay, but the last that? how many weeks you've been drinking coffee? Months, actually. What, yeah. do, you, what do you use that throat coat for? Uh, to, to coat my throat. Can I can I coat my throat? You can. You want one? I'm going to chuck one can over. Can you make one? No, I don't know how to make it. It's tea. I've never made tea. You just put hot water and put the packet yeah. in. Can you do it for me? This feels like a it's like a, a servant thing. Is this, is this like... A servant thing? I just bought you a, a, a butcher knife. See, now it's turning into quid pro quo, and this is how... This is very dicey, is what I'm saying. Respectfully. I mean, I'll do it. You're like the kids now. Respectfully. Yeah, respectfully. Well, because you right. have to. When you say something and you add respectfully now, it basically means, hey, man, you know, uh, bleep you. Yeah, so respectfully. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tea. You've never made tea before? Can you make me some? You know what? It takes a lot of work. And it's going to take me some time. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do. But I do you understand how inept I am at most normal things in daily like life. I mean, we're getting a pretty good picture of it right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. We're not shaming you. But I could literally just describe it to you. Doug Lay Maurice of Kings of the North on YouTube. College football and Ohio State coverage galore. Uh, his thoughts, uh, a little smattering, a little a little sampling, rather. His thoughts on the Ohio State hire Bill O'Brien as OC and quarterbacks coach. And to talk about that hire, the temperature of things in Columbus, and more, we head out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline and welcome on the man, the myth, the legend himself, Doug Maurice. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. I was like, man, that guy's making great points. Then it was me. Yeah. So thanks for having me. I never have that. Usually when I hear myself, I'm like, God, that guy's an idiot. No one would want to listen to him. And you know what? Uh, The evidence is out on that one. Yeah. No, I love the sound of my own voice. It's a a curse. (laughs) So um, I guess I know where you're going to go with this. Thoughts on the Bill O'Brien hire? Yeah, so like two pieces, right? One is what do you think of Bill O'Brien, the experience that he has, NFL head coach, Big Ten head coach working for Belichick and Nick Saban certainly feels like compared to some of the other hires that they've made, right? That this guy's got a resume. Now, do you think he was the best guy? Do you think he got the most out of the Alabama offense? You know, I think some people are a little too focused on that. The resume is really good though. And then the other part of it is like Ryan day, not having, not making himself, not letting himself call plays anymore. And I actually think that's the more important part. We need to see 
Ryan Day, the full head coach, what that looks like. You know, he's got to come out swinging in every possible way this year after three straight losses to Michigan, and that includes allowing himself to focus on culture, motivation, in-game strategy, and not having to worry about, you know, offensive game planning all week and offensive play calling on the sideline. And so he had to get somebody, and that's the most important thing, make a hire to free yourself up. You know, th- this hire is, is obviously it's a, kind of a splashy hire. He's a big name, obviously, when, when it comes to you know coaches around the league. I guess the question is, how much is the hiring of Bill O'Brien to try and put him with the quarterback? Like, we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be next year. Yeah. I mean, you, well, got... we do. I, it, it would be shocking if it's not Will Howard. You think yeah. so? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, is, 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 is this a good fit with Will Howard? What do we expect the offense to look like? Yeah, so it's one of those things where, I mean, you're talking about Corey Dennis as the previous quarterback's coach, just had never been a full-time assistant before, did not play quarterback. That experience compared to Bill O'Brien is night and day. But Ryan Day has always been very intimately involved with the starting quarterback. I've always sort of sort of been like, he's the starting quarterback's coach, and, and maybe Corey Dennis handled the rest of the room. I think Ryan Day will continue to be involved with the starting quarterback. Now, of course, that's going to matter for Bill O'Brien. Will Howard, really good in the designed run game not as polished as a passer as a guy like C.J. Stroud, right? So they have to work to his strengths. But, you know, getting an experienced guy in that quarterback's room, huge. But you bring in a guy like Air Noland as a true freshman who's a high recruit. Bill O'Brien's experience there is really going to help. But obviously I do think Ryan Day can – Ryan Day has to stop worrying about every single idea, part of the play calling. But I think he will stay involved – with a strong relationship with the starting quarterback. But they have, they have some work to do to make Will Howard fit this, this style of OSU offense. So, Doug, we, we know some of the other names that were alleged to have been in it. Liam Cohen, who's at, at Kentucky. Uh, Jason Candle, the, uh, the, the Toledo head coach. There were a couple other names out there as well. Was, was Bill O'Brien the guy? Is this, is this where this was meant to be? Or is this, you know, is, how, how in-depth has this process been? Yeah, so it felt like as the rumor mill was circulating that it was like, it's an NFL guy, it's an NFL guy, and it's like, what's holding it up? And like the idea of Bill Belichick being moved out and what's going to happen with the rest of the staff, it makes sense that, that maybe it was O'Brien all along, and they just had to see what was going to happen with that in New England. And like, I'm joking about this, but not all, also kind of not joking. Ryan Day loves the Patriots. Ryan Day, the first time the Patriots made a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, was like a a young man and piled in a car with his buddy and drove to the Super Bowl. Ryan Day grew up watching the Patriots on Sundays. Like, Ryan Day is attached to the Patriots. So, like, that, I think that would be natural for him. Like, I'm sure, I think he watches the Patriots for fun. I think he thinks Bill Belichick's a genius. So, he's a New England guy. That's not why he did it. But I think he's probably very aware of how the Patriots do business. So I think in, in multiple ways, head coach experience, and I do think he, he's running an NFL system at Ohio State. So I think an NFL guy makes sense for him, too. I do think O'Brien probably was at the top of the list from the start and checks almost all the boxes. Doug, obviously this doesn't just mean Bill O'Brien, uh, the uh, the four-star recruit from Alabama uh, for the 2024 class, the the quarterback – uh, he's already in the portal. Uh, word is, uh, sorry, the speculation is he's on his way to Columbus. That might obviously impact a room that has Air Nolan, who is the the kind of one of the pieces, the crown jewels of this class. Um, 
I'm just curious how this could shake up the quarterback picture because it, it seemed like from Will Howard to Air Nolan, that was going to be the succession plan, and that, that, that looks like it could be disrupted right now. So I'm going to lean on the expertise of my colleague, Jeremy Birmingham, who's, who's always tapped into this kind of thing. And we were talking, he was talking to the, you know, our followers at, at the podcast that he's not so sure about that. If the Julian saying thing is really going to work out, because I do think the idea of, could you have a world where true freshman Julian saying and true freshman Aaron Nolan are both at Ohio state. And that's just like really difficult to imagine. And Aaron Nolan's been your guy from the, you know, not quite the jump because they originally had the Dylan Rayola commitment, but Air Nolan's been committed to the Buckeyes for a long time. And do you want to be in that business? Do you want to be in the business of, hey, thanks for being committed to us for a year, but this other guy came available, so we're going to take him and, like, sorry, like, you can stay, but, you know, I don't know about that. And, like, there's a lot to like about Air Nolan. And so I would pump the brakes a little bit on the Julian Sand stuff. Talented dude, but I do think there's, there's things you've got to take into consideration with the overall picture of your program, your culture, um, you, you know, future recruiting, your commitment to guys. So Air Nolan's been locked into Columbus for a while. It would be it would be hard to put him in a spot like that. You know, with with this uh, with, with Judkins coming in here and mm-hmm. in the running back room, it's it's, it's stacked. Um, how how do we divvy up the carries? I mean, is, is there enough footballs to go around? Yeah. So like, I was looking at the numbers. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins got like. 75% of the snaps at Old Miss last year. And when he was healthy for Ohio State, Trayvon Henderson was getting like 65% of the snaps, right? So like 75 plus 65, that's more than 100. So they're both going to have to take a role that's reduced compared to what they were used to. But I think in this day and age, the wear and tear, you want to keep yourself healthy and fresh for the NFL. They both signed on for this. Uh, you know, I don't think Judkins came here expecting Trevion Henderson to leave. And Trevion Henderson knew Quinshawn Judkins was here when he turned down the NFL. So I do think I would expect with Will Howard in there as a runner as well, running more. I think Ohio State will run more next year. And I think you look at like the Georgia model and I'm going back. We've talked about like the Georgia model a lot around Ohio State. They always have multiple backs. And I went back to Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. They were like each on the field for like 47% of the time when they were there together. One was a first-round pick. One was an early second-round pick, and, like, it worked. So I think that's kind of your formula, and I think Ohio State will be happy to get to that point, and it seems like both guys are on board for it. So I know we've talked a lot about Bill O'Brien, but they still have a need for a special teams coach. Um, You know, there have always kind of been whisperings that maybe there could be more moves if you do hire a play caller and, you know, an offensive coordinator. So I'm curious, like, is it just we're looking for a special teams coordinator or could there be more staff changes, especially on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think no special teams coach. I think they're going to go back to divvying that up and not having a, a fully focused special teams coach. Wouldn't be a shock if tight ends coach Keenan Bailey takes that duty on. So they have nine employed assistants right now. They have the one opening from Parker Fleming being fired, the former special teams coach. I think we think most people think that's going to be another defensive coach. Whether that could be like an, a, like an assistant defensive line coach, there had been some talk of promoting James Laurinaitis to a full assistant. I don't doesn't seem like maybe that's going to happen yet. I think James will be a full-time at Ohio, assist, Ohio State assistant one day, but they need to balance out the staff. And so, you know, they've been a world where, in a world where they only had four 
full-time defensive assistants, and the head coach is an offensive guy. So I think they need five on offense, five on defense, and so I think there's a defensive hire to be made. And then could there still be any more shakeups on the offensive side, like if Bill O'Brien has some power there? I guess that's possible, but it's also might be the case they just have one more defensive hire and then they're locked in. Jim Harbaugh in Michigan just wins a national title. Mm. A lot of speculation about whether he stays, whether he goes. What's your gut telling you? Yeah, I mean, he came back and he did what he set out to do, which is restore Michigan's prominence in college football. Like, he accomplished the goal. And, and, and after 2020, it looked like he was going to have to sort of leave without having accomplished that goal. So where could you go from here? And, you know, I am not an expert on Jim Harbaugh, but, I mean – they're going to build. A, there's going to be a Harbaugh statue on campus. There are going to be Harbaugh buildings on campus. He, I think he's on the Mount Rushmore of of great Michigan football men. Like, what else could he do? And maybe he wants to go, you know, win a Super Bowl. So I think it. I think if it works out, it makes sense. I think Sharon Moore would be the guy. Should be the guy to take over. I think Michigan's not going anywhere. It certainly would be a blow. They're losing like so many great players to the NFL. But I will at this point be surprised if he's back because, I mean, he, he would be going out on top. And, by the way, the NCAA might be knocking on his door. Doug Maurice on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So, big picture. You know, it's funny, like, every step of the way, there's been a class of Buckeye fans not satisfied with what has happened uh, from returning all these, you know, uh, experienced starters on the defensive side of the ball and Travion and Emeka Abuka to the staff changes to just about anything to to the Cotton Bowl. Anything good or bad was was really regardless to how they were feeling. So I, to kind of answer to those people, do you think that everything that's happened since losing to Michigan, all the changes? Is this all because Ohio State lost to Michigan this year? And if Michigan had, or if Ohio State had won, we would not have seen this kind of turnover? Yes. Line in the sand, right? You can't. One Michigan loss is maybe a blip. Two is like, okay, well, look at three's a trend, brother. Like, that's it. Like, it's not working. Like, you've got to do something. Line in the sand moment. So they're more aggressive in the transfer portal than they have ever been. They're more aggressive, I think, with NIL money being used to keep some of these guys from going to the NFL, as more or as aggressive as it's ever been, and then aggressive and coaching staff changes that absolutely needed to be made. Some of the guys who aren't coming back I thought should have been fired two years ago, and they weren't, but now they are. So, like, you can't lose to Michigan four times in a row, so you've got to go down swinging. I thought Ryan Day should have given up play calling last year, but I think with the people there, he wasn't ready to do it. Now he knew he had to do it. So everything that was a maybe when you lose to Michigan for the third straight time becomes a must. And they've addressed that. It's not the same Ohio state. I think they've changed in almost every way possible. And, you know, we have, we have people that, that, that subscribe to our podcast. I, I asked them to rate the off season for Ohio state scale of one to 10, right? 10 is great. One is terrible. They're at a nine. So the fans see it, and I think they're excited. You know, considering the season ended, Michigan and the bowl loss, as bad as it could end, I think since then everybody's really excited about what the Buckeyes have done. All right, so there's one move, and it's not that I don't like it. It's that these moves are are tough to tell whether they're good or not. Um, the Ohio State did name the successor to Gene Smith. It was hmm. uh, Ross Bjork of Texas A&M. 
And yep. the concerning thing is it it does seem like every time he's left somewhere, people are pretty excited that he is uh, he has left. That's that's right. not usually the thing with ads. I'm just curious how how did he come to be the guy and and why was he the guy? So it feels like the new president Ted Carter, who's only been on the job since January one is pretty aggressive, and he's an outsider. He doesn't have Ohio roots. He doesn't have Ohio State roots. And as an outsider, I think he hired an outsider. You know, there were candidates, Pat Chun from Washington State, who had worked at Ohio State, gone to Ohio State, grew up in Ohio. He would have been sort of like the next in line continuing a lot of the Gene Smith stuff, which has been great in many ways. This, to me, feels like a clean break. It feels like progressive for the new era where you're going to – end up paying players where you may realign even further, where you may have a break off of the, the highest revenue schools kind of into their own tier. That world, it feels like the president of Ohio State wanted an AD who would lean into that world. And for good and for bad, Gene Smith was a little more reluctant there. Gene Smith didn't want to pay players, right? And I'm not saying there's, there's right or wrong. That's the disagreement in college sports. This is a break. And so it depends of whether you wanted more of the same, which was good. Look where Ohio State is. It was good. Or do you want a little something different? There's no doubt this is different. And more of the same was an option. But the president made a decision of, like, they want Ohio State to lead into the future and the sport's changing, man, whether you like it or not. And I think Ohio State now wants to be at the front of that conversation, no, no dragging their feet at all. Follow this man on X. At Doug LaMaurice. Uh, we only give that extended X for you, fella. Uh, Doug, <laughs> tremendous stuff as always, man. Really do appreciate you. Love the uh, love the show, Kings of the North. Uh, keep killing it, buddy. All right. Thanks, fellas, for having me. Thanks, Doug. Doug LaMaurice, gentleman about town, Kings of the North on YouTube from the NFL. Uh, it has been one of the more uh, widely speculated and contested jobs in the NFL, and it is now closed. Antonio Pierce is the new head coach full-time in uh, No More Interim in Las Vegas, and I, this is part Mark Davis learning his uh, his lesson from what happened to, uh, with Rich Bisaccia only to turn around and hire Josh McDaniels, and I also think, I, I think they went 5-4 and four with Antonio Pierce after blowing up the uh, the Josh McDaniels failure. I don't see how you could have not given this guy a chance. I kind of, I, I think he's done a good job. My my question is, I'm always leery of interim coaches who are young. Who you know, it happened here with Greg Williams. It happened mm-hmm. with Freddie Kitchens. Like you, you get bought in. The team likes change because they obviously they're fed up with the the old coach. And so, whether it be a short period of time or like eight games, like with Greg Williams or whatever it was. Like teams sometimes can get, be galvanized, but it's just for that season. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that's, I think it's a fair criticism. I would also say, I don't think we put the full time head coaching hires that happen under the same scrutiny that we do interim coaches. It's almost like being an interim coach excludes you from the the right to get the job which makes sense if a guy gets an interim job and goes one and eight totally makes sense but like the Raiders were dead in the water I mean the Raiders were in the running for the number one pick the Raiders had no quarterback 
they had guys revolting. There was the Chandler Jones situation, which I don't think anybody still understands what the hell happened there. And to 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 get into the playoff hunt for that, like I actually I think more teams need to consider giving serious credence to the interim coach. And in, and and the, honestly, the biggest mistake the Browns made was just not giving Greg Williams the job. And I think everybody in Cleveland understands why Greg Williams didn't get the job. Greg is Greg. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, I don't think the next year would have been as a big of a disaster if Greg Williams was your head coach. Prob- it, probably not, but I just don't know if Greg would have been the great coach long term. Now, listen, he could have hired a great staff, and I think Greg would have done a great job. He's a defensive coach. I, I said this the other day with JP. I'm a big proponent of defensive head coaches over offensive guys because I want the offensive coaches um, – I don't want my offensive head coach to call plays. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, looking to Columbus, I think that is what, you know, every every Ohio State fan that hated the Bill O'Brien hire, and I, I you know, the name had been out there for a while. Um, even though there were kind of, I don't want to say sexier, but I think younger names like Jason Candle of Toledo, um, who is, I mean, he was linked to the uh, Miami job a couple years ago, like, this has kind of been a thing that he's kind of been out there as a potential candidate to leave being the head coach at Toledo and be an offensive coordinator somewhere akin to what Sean Lewis did at Kent to go into Colorado this last year. But Liam Cohen of Kentucky. Um, but everybody focused and hyper-focused on the name Bill O'Brien that I think they missed the biggest takeaway. And it sounds like Doug agreed with me that Ryan Day agreed like, all right, I, I don't know that being the offensive coordinator is holding me back or holding us back, but we got to give this a try to try and make sure that I can be the CEO, the best CEO possible. And like, it's funny because like I I felt the same way about the Kevin Stefanski conversation. I don't have the qualms with Kevin as a play caller that a, a lot of other people in Cleveland do. But to me, it's less, is he a good play caller? And it's, and it's more, does him as a play caller hold him as a head coach back? Can you really be, and this is kind of what I think you're getting at, can you really be in every single moment making every single decision across all three phases of the game if you're thinking about the next set of plays, if you're thinking about the next run, right? And so I think I think Ryan Day, whether he was coerced to do this, whether he was told to do this, or whether it was his decision, I think, I think there's a sign of this dude saying, you know what, we got to change the tone here, and this is the best way. This, and honestly, I think if it looks to the locker room, I would imagine this looks like, oh, coach is giving up something that he has cared about and clearly valued that he's gotten to do. I, I Man, I guess he's taking a hit too. How big of a hit do you think he's taking? I mean, I think a coach either stripping himself or being stripped of the play calling I think it's one of the most significant things because everybody wants to be Andy Reid. Yeah, but what if what if it's it's not you being stripped of it? You're just saying, I think I can do a better job being a head coach because now that I've done this for five years or whatever it's been, I feel more comfortable being able to now divvy up my responsibilities. Well, no, I I, I agree though. Like I I think. I think everybody wants to be Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. Like the sexiest thing you can be is an offensive-minded head coach that can call his own game. 
right? And so there is a bit of, I don't want to say career risk, because Ryan Day would get another job tomorrow if this didn't work out. But I do think there's a, I think there is an element of you're giving up something, even if it's on your terms, that you that you have felt, it's almost like your whoopee. It's like your security blanket. And so if it I is... Love, I love a good whoopee. Man, I have this weighted blanket. Man, I, this, I miss whoobies. My, my grown-ass whoopee. It's awesome. It knocked me out the last couple of days. But, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's even more powerful if he's the guy doing it. And I just think, like, I, I think the last two weeks has completely reclaimed the narrative in Columbus. I think I think two weeks ago you had a lot more people agreeing with Anthony Lima than me about the sky is falling and fire Ryan Day and fire him now, don't wait. Um, and by the way, I think in the end, the middle ground between where Lima and I were on this is actually really where it ended up landing because we were kind of both hardlining in our own way. Yeah. But like I think between the transfer portal and the guys you've got, I think the coaching changes to the staff – I think just overall putting a, a bow on recruiting class, you know, you know what your quarterback room is going to look like now. I think all of this has, instead of giving everybody what they wanted in November, you got what you wanted, but you did it without panicking or, or destabilizing the program. And I, again, I think that goes kudos to Ryan Day for doing it in a way that was smart and calculated over two months instead of doing it in one felt swoop. I'm excited. I got a lot of people on my timeline saying this is a bad hire, blah, blah. I kind of like it, man. I. Why do you think people – is it just – is it simple? He just had – I think it's his butt chin. That could be it. People really – people have strong opinions on butt chins. It's hard chins. to trust people with butt chins, man. Did you get a chance to catch uh, my boy Danny Cunningham and my guy, uh, Daryl Ryder, on the morning show today filling in for the morning boys? Heard a little bit of it. So, uh, one, Daryl at like 6 o'clock came out with a, a take in every direction. He was he, like... He had some fire takes, huh? It, it, was, it was a lot. I was like, okay, let's let's keep the gun on the holster till about uh, 7.15 today, buckaroo. But we, we kid because he, he had some interesting takes. I don't agree with them all, but I like takes. You know me. I'm a take you're connoisseur. A, you, you like to take it. I'd like to... I'm a take connoisseur. So... I don't necessarily disagree with some of the thought that goes into what we're about to play. But we're so one line that Daryl said, and then he followed up with an explanation. We're gonna play the explanation. But Daryl this morning talked about how Joe Flacco erased all the excuses for Deshaun and and here's kind of that follow up explanation. What still stands out to me about everything that, that took place this past season was the fact that Joe Flacco came off his couch in the middle of November after throwing passes to his 60-plus-year-old dad and brothers. He comes off the couch, and he has a five-game stretch that's better than anything we have seen from the Cleveland Browns since Bernie Kosar. So from my standpoint, the pressure isn't just on the Browns as far as this coordinator situation and whatever assistant changes that Stefanski decides to make here this offseason or the organization decides to make. To me, the pressure goes on Deshaun Watson. So I do think that last line I think is really fair. I think at some point you would have expected in the first two years of Deshaun that something happened that takes pressure off of him and the Browns for that trade. I think in a weird way, despite him having the better year of his two years here in Cleveland, 
because Joe came in at the end of the season and captured the hearts and minds of Browns fans, yeah. I do think he walks into next year with somehow even more pressure on him. How much pressure do you think? I, I world. I mean, it, it feels like every time that there was a moment for to de-escalate that pressure, the mm-hmm. Baltimore win being, I mean, you went on the road in Baltimore, came back from multiple 10-point deficits, and the man got one of the biggest wins in recent Browns history. It was an amazing game. And it didn't matter because two days later, his season was done. And then three weeks later, Joe Flacco captured the hearts and minds of Clevelanders. So, like, I'll be honest with you. I, I think, I don't know anything can parallel the pressure he felt when he was trying to get out of Houston, and then there was every single accusation being made in the public, and there was every single, you know, every single text or every single this, and, and every single moment that anything was released, it it, it, it re-inflamed this just gigantic level about, oh, he's an awful this, he's a this, that, and the other. It, it's a different pressure. But from a football perspective, I bet you after these last two years, I bet you Deshaun feels like legitimate pressure to prove that he can be that guy again. And I like the guy that he was at his zenith in Houston. And I think we kind of saw it this year. Like there were times where you saw him succumb to what I think was just pressure. That first Pittsburgh game, I know it was Monday Night Football. It was the Steelers. They that the defense had a hell of a game that day. But there were points where he looked lost. And more importantly, there were points where he just looked like he had no confidence. And that's something, there's no get around on that. And then, of course, he came out against uh, Tennessee and had best game so far. And then there's the injury, and then he comes back against Arizona. And then there's, you know, the Baltimore game. But, like, yeah, like, my my biggest doubt moving forward now is just, can Deshaun be Deshaun in Cleveland? Because it's just been a world of things that have happened the last two years. I, I hope he can. But now you add to it the doubt about his shoulder, it's just a lot. It doesn't mean, I mean, it, it, so it doesn't mean it won't work out. It just means there's an incredible amount of baggage. And now you have this kind of idea off in the distance of Joe Flacco. And that just gives fans who already might have had their reservations about Deshaun yeah. or who might have, uh, who might be tired about talking about the contract and who wait for that payoff. Right, the whole point of the damn trade in the first place is you get this immaculate payoff that changes the way the Browns organization is perceived. But I, I will say, like the thing I don't like that Daryl said when he said it, it, you know, Joe Flacco erases all the excuses for Deshaun. I don't think a lot of these things were excuses. Like you know, the comparison about the time off that Joe had mm-hmm. versus the time off that Deshaun had. I think are really just not it's not it's it's apples to oranges. It's 700 days in between being a quarterback and playing games and being in the facility and it's that versus well this guy played four games across September and December last year and then didn't play till next November. That extra 365 plus days like I just for a quarterback it's a lot it's just an immense thing. So I don't think that's an excuse. Like the injury thing, I don't think that's an excuse, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to shoulders. Do I think Deshaun could do a better job at protecting himself? Yes. Yes. Is it a little annoying that we're having this conversation, especially after the first uh, quarter, uh, the shoulder injury? Yes. 
but excuse, it's a reality. Injuries happen all the time. And so, like, I think I think the last thing we should be doing is taking what was a really fun and special run with Joe, which may or may not continue next year with a backup. That's something we'll get into later in the show. And weaponize that against the guy who's going to be here next year. Because I don't know that helps Deshaun. I don't know what helps the Browns. And I don't know what helps our psyche going into next year of this. Well, all right. We're cutting bleep here. Well, no, he'll still be coming off a shoulder injury. Well, no, they're going to be working in potentially a new offense, maybe a new play caller, which right. all these things should hypothetically help him. And it is absolutely bleep or get off the pot time. But that's not about Deshaun. That's about it's year three. You don't get re- very few situations get three years in the NFL, injuries or not. So I agree with the overall thought process that Daryl had, which is, you know, the 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 situation Deshaun's in with the pressure. But I just don't like, and I, I don't think it's Daryl's intent because he's just giving an, an opinion. I just don't like the way it feels like we weaponize Joe to cut down Deshaun. I, I just, that, that it, I felt a lot of that in the last half of the season. Mm-hmm. And it really does. Like, we can all agree we haven't seen exactly what you want to see that you you paid to see when you traded for Deshaun. Some of it you have to understand the circumstances. A great deal, but you have to deal with the circumstances. On the other hand, like, it doesn't really matter if you want Deshaun to be the quarterback next year. It doesn't really matter if you like Deshaun. I know it matters to us. We're a town that we like to like our athletes, right? Like a guy like Aaron Rodgers. As long When Aaron Rodgers was on the good side of Aaron Rodgers – we would have loved Aaron Rodgers. It's the Albert Bell thing. And when that guy was being a clown, we would have hated him, right? Because we want to like. We, it's not just good enough for you to be good at a sport. We got to like you. There have to be something intrinsically likable. That's why Joe. Joe is the everyman, right? Joe is the, the boy next door uh, or the older uncle next door. Like, the, the creepy uncle next door? No, 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 no. No, not, not I need an adult uncle. Don't worry about that. But like. I just I can't imagine a world in which you could have set this up that Deshaun going into year three of this contract would feel as much pressure as possible. And in the end, the same thing that was true two years ago is true now. Whether Joe Flacco's here or not, whether uh, Kevin calls the plays or not, the only thing that is going to to veer this thing from where people say it is now, and that's a perception thing based off the last 11 games we saw from him. The only thing that's going to veer it out of that ditch is Deshaun staying healthy and playing well. I don't know that, oh, well, Joe Flacco did this, so Deshaun, you better. I don't know that that really helps anybody, let alone the $230 million man. We were just talking about uh, Daryl's take on Deshaun, and whether Joe Flacco erases all the excuses for Deshaun. And I also think this kind of ties in with the the OC conversation. Earlier in the show, we talked about, you know, the, the three names Mary Kay Cabot had thrown out there, Scott Turner, uh, Clint Kubiak, and, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm always going to forget one of them, Zach Robinson. And my point was... What about Andy Dick? No, that's Andy Dickerson. Oh, that's right. 
Andy okay, Dick the joke is, about that is a bad comedian. Uh, Andy, he was funny in old school. That was his one. That was his one. Have you ever seen the... Uh, I know you've seen that. Have you ever seen... No, we, okay. I'm not going to get no, lost no, on an Andy no, Dick no, tangent no, here. Let's go, let's go down okay? the road. So, no. Listen, because Let me dangle the carrots here. No, I will not. No. I'm swatting away the, 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 the carrots. I'm not doing <laughs> You're it. You're swatting away the carrots? I'm swatting them away. How many are there? Yeah, they're too many. Too many. But <laughs> I will, like a party. I, I bet it does. I bet it does. But do you think that... Uh, Given that, you know, what is it, two of the three candidates that, that we just mentioned there after Andy Dickerson were West Coast candidates, do you get any sense that this OC hire could make or break Deshaun in Cleveland? No. Why not? Because Deshaun's not going anywhere. If the, the OC comes in and they don't like him and it doesn't work out, he'll be gone in a year. I actually think – so I don't I don't know that in a year's time it, it'll be Deshaun being gone. And I – I also don't think the OC thing would be a year and beyond. And I, that's an I think, and that's an I don't know. I kind of feel like I, I kind of feel like this next year with Deshaun might be the most important year of his career. Like I, I think, and listen, when you're a really talented player, you're always going to get another look, right? Cam Newton's arm fell off, and he got the look in, in uh, New England, and then he got the look in, in Carolina. So, you know, how many, I mean, Randall Cunningham had multiple opportunities where he got banged up and got multiple looks. Um, there are even guys who are like draft busts who've gotten multiple looks like Blaine Gabbard, even though he's not as a starter. So like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, oh, if you didn't, if you didn't make it through 17 games this year and you're not in the playoffs, that's the end for him. But I think this is the last year where the contract is the ultimate, well, that's the only thing that matters. Because once you get – and listen, the numbers don't really change if you go to move on from him. But if Deshaun – if the perception is that Deshaun's situation holds you back for three straight years, that's about as much patience as any organization's going to have with any quarterback. And most of those quarterbacks we talked about are ones that were in a situation where they drafted that guy, and that buys you a little more patience. Because the guy that might fire you is the guy that drafted you. In the NFL, that's currency. That's real currency. That's fair. I just don't think that like the, nothing nothing's going to derail Deshaun outside of him just not playing well. Um, I I think the health thing. I'm not well, as yeah, concerned. That, that's him not playing well. But I think, but I but I don't look at those two as the same thing. Like uh, Cam didn't play well at the end. He wasn't he wasn't a, a robust passer anymore. But that's injuries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting. Like, I do think it's interesting the 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 players in town that we give the benefit of the doubt for injuries and the guys we don't. And I understand why Deshaun isn't to this point. But I just think it's interesting Deshaun is one of those guys. Sean, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Hope you guys are doing well and staying warm. Happy Thank Friday. You, buddy. Happy uh, Friday. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think Deshaun has a whole lot of pressure on him. Um, and, and to be real quick about it, I haven't been a fan of the trade since day one, though. Anyway, but I do agree with Daryl, though. I mean, there, there's no more excuses. You know, when you bring in a guy, you know, a veteran, he's got the experience, he's been on a couch, you no know, playing catch basically, and he can come in and light it up like Joe Flacco did. There's no reason why, you know, after all this rehabilitation, you know, 
everything else that Deshaun is getting. There's no reason why he should not be able to come in and do the same thing. And I agree with you there, uh, Dustin. You know, the coordinator that they bring in, if they can't make it work, you know, with Deshaun and get the later. offense going, he'll, yeah, he'll be gone too next year. The sad part is in all of this is, you know, we talk about these different scenarios because of this massive contract. If this was any other quarterback, you know, with a lesser contract, if he doesn't, didn't perform last year and doesn't perform this year, he'd be gone. They'd find some other team to take on the contract. No one's going to do that. And so the unfortunate thing is we've backed ourselves into a corner, and I don't actually blame Andrew Bayer for that. I blame ownership. But, yeah, I haven't been a fan. I hope it works out, but, you know, I don't have a whole lot of high hopes for Watson. Sean, we appreciate you, buddy. Um, I still actually have pretty high hopes for Deshaun. I, I think, and I understand why, and I'm not here to relitigate it, I actually think Deshaun took a step in the right direction. I think now it is, can you keep him healthy? Can you continue to morph the roster around his skill set? And can you find an offensive coordinator that actually has a history with spread concepts or who's willing to put those in? Like Bill O'Brien wasn't a guy that had spread concepts in his in his purview of what he had done previously. It came out of the the Penn State offense. Yeah. and oh, Sorry, the, the New England offense. So like... It, it shouldn't be the thing that matters, but it does seem like, at least for Kevin, it seemed like that was a sticking point. And I don't know if that's West Coast. I don't know if it's that Kevin's value on scheming wide receivers open. I mean, that was a problem for Baker. Of Receivers were open, but it's about timing things specifically. Real quick here. Matt, welcome to the show, Matt. What you got for us? Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing very well, buddy. Happy and cold Friday to you, sir. Oh, gosh, you're right. I've, I've been working outside this all day. But, uh, uh, so, uh, you got a Canadian, you know, Canadian goose jacket? Yeah, uh, it's been really cold. But uh, yep. I, I I feel bad because I feel like I'm going to echo someone, and I know you guys disagree with it, but I do think that Flacco, is, if you're going to look back on it, Flacco is the worst thing that possibly happened for Deshaun and Stefanski in the offense because, cause, like, the excuse is gone now. You had Flacco literally come off his couch – and and I I know what you guys said before, but it's like uh, Flacco came in and he was gunslinging around, and I think it made Stefanski and Van Pelt and Hanslem look like fools. And honestly, I think this is a panic move because because uh, they're desperate to get some guy in that's gonna get uh, get uh, Deshaun in there and looking good. And I think what's gonna be happening is you're gonna almost see like a Baker Mayfield rhythm kind of kind of system where uh, almost. The thing I was thinking of is like when uh, Pittsburgh, uh, after they lost Ken Whitman, they brought in uh, Bruce Arians. They had the whole offensive transition, and next thing you know, uh, they're throwing 50 times a game. I think that's what you're going to see in Cleveland in all seriousness. I think the shove injury set up the process, but I and obviously I hope he comes back normally. But I honestly I think you're going to see way more of a uh, spread passing offense, and uh, honestly. I think this is uh, your last chance with Deshaun. Like, the excuse is gone when uh, when you have a guy like Flacco who can come off the couch and put up numbers. Uh, Watson better uh, show up or shut up next year. Matt, we appreciate the call. Thank you very much, and stay safe out there. I will say, if you are working outside today, and and it is a part of your job, you are badass, and you are way more badass than me. That's not a high bar, but I, I just want to say – uh, everybody out there, whether whether you're you know plowing roads out there, whatever you're doing to keep everybody safe, we appreciate it. Stay safe. That's all that matters. 
Um, I mean, I disagree with what Matt says, but I, I mean, I think there is a large, I think maybe let's move large out of this conversation. I think there is a contingent of people that agree with Matt about it is put up or shut up this next year. And I think, you know, we're, we're coming off such a high of this season, 11 wins and all that, that I don't even want to speculate or begin to wrap my mind around what this looks like. If next year, the it's another injury shortened year or a year where it's just not exactly what you signed up for. I was perusing Twitter on one of our breaks, and there was a video that I that I saw, and it's about a insider twenty twenty four trend. And you know, I'm not a trendy man. This is fair. Yeah, you're not a trendy. Yeah, guy. but I I am somebody who I can tell you I can't tell you what's hip. I can't tell you what looks stupid. That's the extent of my fashion knowledge. And so uh, this video just kept popping up. And so I kept it open because I wanted to show you guys in one of these breaks. I kept forgetting. And then when we come back from break every time, it would infuriate me seeing it. Are you familiar with the Mo Howard haircut? No. It's basically the bull haircut. Like the, you know, like like uh, the Dumb and Dumber haircut? Yes. Yes. The... What's the guy's name? Uh, the owner of the Raiders, Davis. Oh, Mark Davis. Mark yeah, Davis, very yeah. good pull. Very good pull. So this account, it's Doctor Jebra. Her name is Jebra. Are we doing this? No, what, like Deborah with a J. Yes. Is and, she Amish? I mean, I mean, she's kind of attractive. Is she hot? She's kind of attractive. Yeah. Oh, she- you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. You taking it back? I'm not sure this is a real person. Is it AI? It's like AI if we fed it a little meth. This is not good AI. Can I come over? You can come over. So, Dr. Jebra. No, I'm not even saying that last name. And uh, I, I really am hopeful. Good Lord. It looks like a platypus. Let me see her name. Let me see her name. See, Jebra. Right, Doctor. Oh God, she is pretty hot. <laughs> I like. I real quick. I like that I described her as AI. If you fed it some meth, and then you followed up by saying, "Yeah, she's pretty hot." She might be one of my people. All right, I'm gonna need you to get about a foot away or more right now. I don't like the way you're. I don't like the proximity here. Just got to get about five inches away. Yeah, just give me a half foot. I don't know um, what that means. Is that, is that like a sex term? <laughs> so just go look at it. At Nick Wilson says, I'll be honest with you. I'm Fauche. I, I, that's where I wasn't going to play with it. Cause I don't know if it's like Fauche. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's also a riff on something else. Fauche. I think the problem Why is Jebra. Like I think the bigger problem is Jebra. Like who names their kid Jebra? I I think this it's is a, be a nickname, right? I think it's a you rename yourself. There's no way. It, you know what? Like our boy Noah, two one six four seven four double o ninety two, double o ninety two, double o nine two. No, that's not the number, is it? <laughs> yes, it is. Four, oh, okay, four seven four. Okay. I carry the what two. was the old one? Five carry, seven eight. Carry the two, please. Don't. I don't need anything else in my brain. Do you know a Jebra? Welcome back. It's the bullpen. Do you know a Jebra? J E. I don't. I've never met a Jebra once in my life. B R A. 
Because I'm never met a Jebra. Because that it already makes me think that it is a fake account. But you need to see this video. Because again, I I've always been in my life, and this is not I'm not grandstanding right now. I'm being 100 percent honest. I have always been somebody who stands up to bullies on behalf of other people because I have always been a bigger person in the room. So when when a friend of mine, like I remember my friend Stephen Black in fourth grade, I was like his bodyguard. That's a legit thing. Like uh, his dad slid me some money on the table because he was his so bodyguard. Yeah, he like was so impressed that I protected his son who was getting bullied. His son was a sweet kid. He was a good buddy of mine, and. Michael Havens, I don't know where you are, Michael, but Michael was bullying him, and Michael found out the hard way that Nick Wilson does not like bullies. So my point is, I'm not saying this lightly. If you showed up near me with this haircut, you forced me to bully you. I abhor bullies. I think bullies, there are so many symptoms of what breaks people to turn them into bullies. Uh, you, know, you want to go to toxic masculinity. I've read many a tweets about it and i will tell you i'm a firm believer you read in, a lot of tweets in being kind to each other be, bringing this world into a loving place but if you do this i don't know that simply mocking you is going to be enough for me like this if another adult said i'm going to get the mo howard haircut i might have to kick your ass and i don't mean like in a i don't like you i mean i'm so offended that you're trying to make this happen because what's the other? What's Stewart? He looks like he looks like a non-ginger Stewart from Mad TV. Like this is. And by the way, the kid, the kid in the video also looks like he could be the lost ball, uh, ball brother. He looks like he could be. I don't know. We got Lamelo, Leangelo, Lonzo, Leamish. <laughs> you know what? That was really good. You know what? You know, in in a year, you finally made me laugh. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, you know, it's very well done. Yeah, he looks like Laomish Ball. There's no way this is a real thing, right? No. There's no way, because, like, my niece is 20, eh, going to be 21. Here coming up in a couple. She's got a boyfriend. If he shows up to a family, and, like, I'm the nice uncle. Like, I get along with everybody. I'm always nice to new people in, in, in the family that are introduced um, because I have been the new person introduced to a family that's been treated crappily. So I, I take that as like, I will never forget the way I felt like I was treated. I'm going to tell you her boyfriend who seemed like a really nice kid when I met him a couple weeks back, he shows up to my grandmother's house in this. I, I think he's going to meet the soup bones. I think he's going to meet, I think he's going to meet fist one and, and fist two. I'm going to kick the kid's ass. And, like, I love my niece. Like, I, that's not quite, I can't say she's like a daughter to me. I don't want to, like, but, like, I love my niece. I think the world of her. I don't know how you can take a person seriously with this haircut. Is this just a dude thing? Are women also going to be wearing this? Can I see it again? I mean, I mean, look at that. I mean, I'm getting more and more triggered every time. I don't know if this is, again, AI. It, at Nick Wilson says, all right. Yes, you can, but you gotta use the microphone. Like, who would find this attractive? Leomich, I think, might be the simplest thing. Um, I don't know. Are we even allowed to say what we think is attractive anymore? Because Why if not? you if you say what's attractive, there's you also say what is unattractive. 
And I feel like that's now. I think it's, it's called having an opinion. Well, yes, but I don't think I don't think we live in a, a culture where opinions are are kind anymore. Free speech. Are, are, yeah. Well, okay, but that's there's a difference between you can do it legally and people are going to think you're an a hole. Well, we're already a holes. That's fair. Yeah. I did not. I did not put that one previously, but now that you've said it, it kind of locks What's in. What's the difference? Keith, have you ever had a bowl cut? Oh, I get, oh, I could have seen young Keith having a bowl cut. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like elementary school. It was probably yeah. considered a bowl then. I don't know if it would be considered as much now. I don't know. Dustin, do you have one? Oh, God, yeah. But it wasn't like we didn't put a bowl on my head. It was Yeah, just... it was more like a faded bowl. Like uh-huh. It wasn't like straight, like shave the bottom and leave the top yeah. on there. No, it yeah, where like it looked that. like a mushroom. Yeah, it was more it like, like a mili- yeah. It's like a military cut. Yeah. Uh, Mac, I guarantee you, you might have one tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, a, a, a Cleveland Five is going to tell you she would like that look on you, and you'll wear it for the rest of your life. Sorry, that got really personal. I'm sorry. The tiger got out of the cage there. <laughs> the tiger got out of the cage. That's my bad. You ever have a, a bowl cut? I did when I was in uh, middle school. My cousin Johnny, <laughs> it's finally time to get revenge. My cousin Johnny had a bowl cut and a lazy eye until he was <laughs> in like sixth grade, seventh grade maybe. I mean, granted, he's taller, skinnier, and better looking than me now, but I'll always have that. Is the bowl cut coming back? Ladies, would you sleep with a man that had a haircut of Mo Howard? We had some really funny responses in the bowl cut video, most of which I can't share. But worth worth checking out, at Nick Wilson says, at DustinFox37. Um, thank you for restoring my faith that sometimes Twitter... And the negative side of Twitter can be used for good, which is exactly how we feel about the bull cut situation. You know, but our- you know, senior citizens, although slow and dangerous behind the wheel, can still serve a purpose. Name that movie? Dumb and Dumber, dude. Darn right. It is, it is the full Harry. Um, but <laughs> we have to go out. Can't help yourself. Can I you? can't. The the uh, the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline and welcome on former NFL GM. He's also co-host of Vinny and Haney in our uh, on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. Vinny Serrato joining us. Vinny, welcome to the show. Happy Football Friday. Uh, it's a great day. Great day. Can't wait for tomorrow. I'm sure you guys are probably not feeling the same way. I uh, well, no, I can, but only because. It's playoff football. Like, if my consolation prize for my team losing in the first round of the playoffs is I get to watch more playoff football, I mean, I'll be a grumpy little bee about it, but I still will enjoy the football. All I know is my partner, Bob Haney, for the last three weeks prior to Cleveland losing, he said, if there's any football, God, Cleveland will be coming to Baltimore. Joe Flacco will be coming. That's that's all he wanted, And, and it didn't happen, of course. I think that was probably best for both of our towns because, you know, Clevelanders, we get a little antsy in the pantsy here. We get a little outside of ourselves a little bit. You know, there's a little heat there between Cleveland and Baltimore. It's probably for the best there, Vinny. I, I got to ask you, though, like, how are how are you and the folks in Baltimore feeling about this matchup against Houston? Because I will be 100% honest with you, in Cleveland, we kind of kind of overlook the Texans. Yeah, um, you know what? The the players are saying all the right. They're very confident, is what I gather. And and to me, I'm I'm confident too because I don't know what you guys thought. Well, your defense didn't show up, you know, on the road. That was one of the biggest problems. And and then Joe back to back, you know, pick sixes. 
But the thing is, is with Nico Collins and Schultz, to me, they only have two offensive weapons. You know, Singletary may cause some problems, but Collins is the main guy, you know, and then Schultz. And um, so I think they're going to be able to get after him. And, and Mike McDonald has done a great job um, scheming things up, confusing quarterbacks, and not just any quarterbacks. I mean, talk Purdy, talk Tua, talk, you know, all the guys that golf, all the ones that they play. They've done a heck of a job defensively. Um, so I, I think, you know, if the Ravens, I, I would think they're feeling pretty good about where they're at. And then offensively, last time they played in week one, they blitzed Lamar a bunch, and he had uh, an interception and two fumbles. But that was, that was Munkin's first game, Lamar's first game, and now Lamar is handling the offense extremely well, being able to pick up the blitzes and stuff. And offensively, everybody's healthy. You know, when when you look at C.J. Stroud and what he's been able to accomplish this year, I mean, do you, you consider him a guy next year when we come into the season, people will be talking about him like a like a top-five type of quarterback? Uh, the way he's played thus far, yes. And I talked to, you know, some people that have played against him, and they thought he was really poised, really smart, um, got the ball out quick, didn't get rattled. I mean, that that's – to me, he looks like a special dude. I mean, he did in the first – not in the first half against the Ravens week one – but the second half, it was like, damn, he looked pretty good. So from the Baltimore side of stuff, obviously there have been talks about, you know, whether it's Lamar's health or different ways that certain runs have gone here. How much pressure on this team is to finally make that Super Bowl run and get that Super Bowl win? Well, let me just say this. Um, it kind of reminds me of like when I was at the Niners, you know, when Steve Young was playing quarterback and stuff. He had to get that monkey off his back. I think there, you know, there's outside pressure on Lamar because he's one and three in the playoffs. I think that's more the the pressure. But I don't know that he feels that. But that's what the national and local people keep talking about. He's one and three in the playoffs. You know, what's he going to do in the playoffs? You know, but I I think he's going to be outstanding tomorrow. That's what I think. Looking to the John Harbaugh front, you know, we've had this vantage point of of Harbaugh and Tomlin. And even though we, we might not like the franchises and there's that rivalry, we, we obviously respect both guys. I'm just curious about John Harbaugh and what a what a second Super Bowl would mean to his, his kind of legacy as a head coach. Be in contention for the Hall of Fame. I would think that. If he you know, and the thing about it is is when you think about it, they're gonna they're gonna be favored in every game that they play, even including the Super Bowl if they're playing the Niners, you know, because they blew them out in San Francisco. So um, I I think that uh, Harbs, if they could get it again, second one, I think he'd be definitely in contention to be Hall of Famer. Vinny Serrato on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So as we're having this conversation, you know, we had a lot of conversations this year about culture and about how long it takes to overcome. Like, you know, before Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry showed up, it was 20 years of darkness. You know, there were a couple bright spots there, and there were a lot of guys, you know, a lot of players we loved and a couple coaches we loved, but by and large, just not a lot of winning. And now we're in year four, and it felt like this year, nothing, all the things that used to stop the Browns, injuries or the bad breaks, this, that, the other, none of that stopped the Browns this year. That's four years into Stefanski where it felt like that came to fruition. 
I know it's probably not the same everywhere, but how long does it take to build a sustainable winning culture where culture helps you through seasons like this? It, it, it doesn't, doesn't happen overnight, and it's got to be throughout the whole organization. And to me, what's got to happen is everybody in the organization's got to know their role. That's one of the biggest things. Like when I was in San Fran, our culture was spectacular. You know, but everybody had their own role, and nobody tried to do it. Like Eddie didn't, Eddie DeBartolo at that time, Eddie didn't get involved. He didn't tell me how to run personnel. He didn't. He just wanted to win games. That's all Eddie wanted to do. What do I got to do to help to win games? Now, where, when I was in Washington, you know, you, you had an owner who's kind of like Carolina that wants to be involved in everything, and it makes things so much more difficult because, you know, you've got to go convince the owner what to actually do when he's trying to do other things and it takes away from time that you need to be spending on your football team and moving forward. That's, that, that's the biggest thing. And right now, like the culture – at the Ravens, they have enough leadership in there that when guys come in, you know, like Jadavian Clowney comes in and he loves it, you know, I, and I think a lot of it is you have to have some of those guys, you know, and, and I know Clowney wasn't great in Cleveland. He, he didn't like Cleveland or whatever, but he's been spectacular for the Ravens. And I think Roquan Smith has kind of been that guy on defense. You got to have some of those leaders that everybody looks up to, and you got to have some of those kind of stars that and then and then people want to come to your place and then it's a place to be that's the thing about it is is people look at it as a place to be veterans want to come to it. Dalvin Cook came and said this place is awesome you know I mean he's talking to the media saying how great it is and how the you know the the teammates are great and everybody's there for a common cause everybody's you know working and they they hang out after practice together and everything then you got a good culture because and it starts with leadership Vinny, just taking a look at this uh, this Chiefs-Bills game. First uh, road game for Mahomes, obviously. That's a big storyline going into this game this weekend. Um, I, I, I'm sure you're a little biased there with Baltimore, thinking Baltimore can, can win the, the whole thing. But it's like, you know, if, if the Bills can get over this hump, can they be a Super Bowl contender? I think they got a chance. I mean, you got a quarterback. That's the thing. And you look at all the quarterbacks that are in it. They're all pretty good. And I, I think this, though, don't cut out Mahomes. You know, I mean, I picked Kansas City to win today on our show. And I said, you know, because Rice is playing good now as a receiver. Their defense is good. Buffalo's defense is beat up. And, you know, Diggs is a little beat up. I can see, and and um, Josh Allen, he tends to throw some picks every now and then. So I can see Mahomes and Kansas City starting to gather steam. Vinny, we, we had this conversation all week because obviously the Browns got eliminated from the playoffs. If if it's not the Ravens that take a step forward to go to the AFC title uh, game this weekend, what is, is there a player, is there a team, is there a coach that you're looking at as just kind of an outside you know fan of that person, that player, that team, whatever, that you'd like to see maybe get that first or next ring this year? Well, Kyle Shannon, I, I mean – I knew Kyle Shanahan when he was like 10, you know, because Mike was our offensive coordinator in San Fran. And then whenever I'd go, then when Mike went to Denver, I'd go scouting in uh, Colorado, you know, to Colorado. I'd stay at Shanahan's house when he was head coach of the Broncos. And, you know, and I'd see Kyle there all the time. And then when I was in Washington, Dan Snyder and I went to California. We interviewed Mike 
for the head job that he got at the Redskins. And Kyle was a GA at UCLA. And, you know, Dan says, bring Kyle over. So when we interviewed Mike, Dan and I were sitting at, I think it was Beverly Hills Hilton in a suite there. Kyle came over, and he was sitting next to Mike on the couch the whole time that we were interviewing Mike. So that was that might have been Kyle's first uh, head coaching interview. Vinny Serrato on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Vinny, kind of want to ask you about this little Twitter beef between RG3 and, and Jay Gruden. What, what, what do you make of that whole situation? I think it's kind of stupid, you know, to be <laughs> totally honest. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a former head coach. Just shut up, you know. And how many years ago was that? Well, they're not even – neither one's relevant right now. So why even, why even bother? That's, that's the way I look at it. I mean, be two grown men and just let it go. Vinny, uh, we appreciate you, man. I'd say good luck, but I wouldn't mean it. But uh, we do right. appreciate your time. That's all right. Yeah, I, I understand that. That's that's not a problem whatsoever. But you know what? We'll see you guys next year. Ah, <laughs> we're used Thanks, to Vinny. that. Thank you very much, Vinny Serrato. There on the uh, the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We're going down the JP Road. Do you want to do that now? Because uh, Keith, do you have the audio of? Uh, didn't you say you pulled some audio of, of JP on the? On the, the suit thing? Oh, I didn't pull any audio, but okay. everybody knows we, we don't, don't really have like, to have okay. the audio to okay. talk I just, about I just want to make sure if we didn't have any audio. So can you guys set it up for me? Because you you gave me the gist of this last night when we talked it's after not, the show. It, so, like, I, I took a lot of flack on, like, Twitter last night about this, and I don't understand why. I mean, I'm going to the Bills game this weekend. Did you hear that? I'm going yes. To, yeah, I mentioned that a couple times. I remember right? that. Yeah. So I... I've never really gone to a football game probably in like 20 years where it's been like really cold and like, mm -hmm. you know, like my seats are outdoors. I'm going to probably get, get up in the, the alumni suite at some point, but like, it's not for the whole game. So like, mm -hmm. also we're, we're just, we spent a lot of for the tickets. So we're going to sit in our seats. Yeah. So like, I don't have a lot, like I don't have good ski gear. I did way back in the day. I just, it's not as good as it used to used to be. Yeah. And it, it doesn't fit whatever. So I want to get like a really good parka and my nephews and nieces have these Canadian goose coats, which are like, dude, they're like $1,300. Ooh, okay. They're expensive, yeah. right? And my buddy was over at my house the other night, and I was telling him we're going to the game. And he's like, oh, bro. And he used to work for NYPD. Like, mm -hmm. So he was like 10 years in the force on the streets of Harlem. Yeah. And he used to wear this Canada goose jacket. He says it's the warmest coat I've ever had. Mm -hmm. He's like, you can borrow it. I'm like, oh, sweet. Because I want to buy one anyway, but yeah. like – you can't really buy one. You got to like, I think they have them in some stores, but I don't really know exactly what stores sell them. And you got to order online. Then it takes like a week to ship. Yeah. And like the game Sunday, I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah. And so I'm like, dude, I'm just going to borrow my buddy's coat. And he thought that was weird. Yeah. It was funny. Cause I, what was my favorite part of the whole thing? Once I was looped in on it, because I can't remember. Oh, I think I did. I react to your Twitter poll. I think I did. You did. And then that got a reaction from JP. What that was really funny is, I thought JP took more of a shellacking in the conversation and just like what I saw on social media, but you both got just enough criticism where you both felt like you lost the argument. Yes. And that, yes. That was really like, cause at the same point I'm seeing like a tweet where he was a little defensive in response. And by the way, huge thank you to JP for, for holding it down on, on last second notes. I, I now as I'm about to go ahead and throw him under the bus, I just want to thank him because it was that, I really had no business being anywhere near a studio the last two days, but you could say I don't really have one ever. But listen, the point is 
now that I've said the nice thing, because I love my friend and I love you. Um, it would just be funny because it's like JP being defensive. And then right on top is a tweet of you being like, I mean, it's not really that big of a deal and getting defensive about it. It was honestly, it's kind of the, like the most entertaining thing that I saw on social media last night because both of you look like you were trying to avoid taking an L. I just think it's ridiculous. Like women share clothes all the time. Guys don't do that. I do like, it all the time. When women go on trips, like my wife and her friends, like they're, they, hey, can I go over and try this dress on or whatever? They have a special event. Can I, you have these dresses that maybe fit and I can take a couple on a trip, whatever. So they all do that all the time. Mm-hmm. But me, guys me and my buddies will share watches. Yeah, but guys don't do that. But the, the like a coat is not an everyday item. You're not like sharing. You're not a sharing. You're not sharing. It's not like, like underwear. your underwear. Like, yes, yeah, the underwear thing. Like, yeah, but nobody shares underwear. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> be weird I mean, I hope did. so. But 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 also, even to that point, I I've shared underwear with friends, like clean underwear. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you were getting a win. You had to clarify. You were. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I had house guests at my house about two months ago, and and one of my friends needed a pair of underwear. I'm like, they're they're clean, they're Lululemon, just wear them and I'll wash them. You think that's weird? That's weird. I would have just yeah yeah yeah. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, that's weird. They're clean. It doesn't matter. There's, there's some things don't clean out. All right. <laughs> And you guys, are I would, I would, wait. I would really feel weird. Like if, some, if, if someone stays in my house, they're a guest. Anything they need, I'm going to provide. Yeah, yeah, to a point. All right. I mean, a pair of shorts. I, like, I, I did like, dude. You act like I, I, like I went in there, dropped trout, hey. gave him the underwear off my body. Hey, man, I know you seem a little lonely. Would you like to take the wife for a spin? Because I mean, I'm your, you're my guest. And anything you want, I will provide. Can we all admit that there's a line? We should have just let. Let's go back to the coat one because that one. (laughs) Well, see, I think we are. The the I don't even think that's weird. The underwear thing is a hundred percent weird. What about swim trunks? I mean, it's adjacent. It's not as weird, but it's still probably more weird than junk's still going in there, and I'm going to wash him afterwards anywhere. Like Um, like when I go to my my brother's a pool. mm -hmm. I don't I don't have a pool. He's He's way more uh, uh, better off than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go over there. Sometimes I don't have trunks, and he'll just throw me trunks. Uh, you're also brothers, a little different. No, but he shares them with friends too. Anybody comes over. And yeah. Then, then I would, then I would see a doctor. Y- you guys, man, you guys have never been in a locker room before. I don't know. I'm not so much about the swim trunks thing. Yeah, I, I, it's I it's the it, underwear. Like, like the you went to the off. most extreme one, and then act like we were the crazy ones for being like. Ah, my, my bro was on the road and he he didn't have enough underwear and socks. I'm like, here, just take him. I would have gone and bought a pair. Or yeah, something. I was gonna like, say, just does, does like did, not worn them. I have day. 75 pairs of Lululemon underwear that are like all brand new. Two one six four seven four double zero nine two. I just wanted to give you credit because I agree with you on the jacket thing. Now you're making it worse for me. Wait, how am I making it worse? You said it. You said the thing. I, I, we I, were supporting. What, what, what's ridiculous is the fact that I'm just a good friend and you guys make me feel like an a-hole. Well, no, 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 no. No, you are not an a-hole on this matter. But you are. <laughs> on this matter. Well, we're all a-holes on something, okay? Like, I'm, I'm going to use the reference that I was going to use because then I just have more people calling Andy Roth about my job. The point is, that's who the hell shares underwear with each other? It was a necessity. It wasn't. It was like an emergency. Yeah, like he dookied himself. Like no, the only like he was just out. In fact, I actually just let him keep him. You you live because I, I you and I know that area very. You live right down the road from a Walmart. Who's wearing Walmart underwear? 
Well, he couldn't. Uh, <laughs> Who's wearing another man's underwear? Them. I mean, a lot of people are wearing them, evidently. But they, uh, he couldn't just wear a dirty pair for a day. Couldn't just wash them. Ah, well, that's an even better yeah. answer. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand the, the, the problem here. I. I think that is the problem. <laughs> you guys are. I, you guys are really weird. I. <laughs> I honestly, all I wanted to do was make fun of Jonathan who was so weirded out about you sharing a coat in which there's just nothing in a coat. Like there's just not, there's, there's no, y'all never played sports, man. There's no, you know what? We used to share jock straps, man. Not really. I'm kidding. Yeah. (laughs) I was waiting for it. Hunter. Welcome to the show, man. What you got? Yo. Um, well, so if you have a house guest, aren't they using your towels? 100%. 100%. Yes. Don't you rub your junk with your towels and then wash them? Yes. And then they use it to dry their face? Yes, yeah, exactly. But, but your stuff thank you, Hunter. sets in underwear. Hunter, thank you. And there's... You uh, got it, man. <laughs> also, I have, I have seven brothers. We all share underwear. When one of us gets rid of a pair, we just hand it down to the next one. Yes. What's the wrong? underwear brothers? Wait, Hunter. Yes. Yes. Can I, can I Venmo you like 25 bucks for some new draws, dude? <laughs> Of course, it's on the house. Okay, okay, all right. I just, you know, um, maybe this is because I'm six four and about three fifty, and my older brother's five nine and one forty, and then my other brother's one six foot tall and two hundred, and the others five ten ish and probably one hundred eighty pounds. I don't know. Maybe it's because I never had the luxury of sharing draws with my brothers. Not a shot in hell. I mean, not now. Like, when we were kids, you guys, obviously. You guys are way too insecure, man. I don't think it's an insecurity thing. There's just, that's the one thing. Like, Is I'll, it a one thing? You can, you if, can share If something goes, goes through the laundry and it's clean, like, what's... Eh, eh what? Yeah, you ever seen the, the studies they do on when you go out to eat for dinner and they wash the dishes and how clean those dishes really are? Okay, same thing, but you're junk. So then why do you go, go out to dinner? Uh, because we all lie to ourselves that we that that it's not what it is because we want to have a nice meal out. This is different. You get four, you get seventy five pairs of draws. I, I probably do. So getting back to the coat thing, how weird is JP for being weirded out about that, huh? Trying to support you here, dog. We can take it back to the underwear. It's gonna be right back where it was. I'm not listen. I am I am the rock of Gibraltar on this bad boy. I still think that the coat thing takes the cake. Like I don't I don't know how you're weirded out by a coat. Well, yeah, and like I, so his explanation, I, I still don't get it. Like I listened back on the Odyssey app 440 because that's what he said to me in in his defensiveness. I listened back. I got a problem with JP. JP is fine. I, I think JP's off his rocker with this. Like who doesn't loan somebody a jacket or like a. Like a if you, if you were like in a situation where you needed like a beanie or a pair of gloves or something like who doesn't share that? Yeah, like the only thing you wouldn't share because I can't really go anywhere else here is underwear. Not you can used share underwear. They're clean. How clean can underwear really be? I'd say significantly clean. I don't know. You ever get. It, it, I don't know. Maybe your nasty junk don't get clean. My my stuff gets clean. Did it get clean? What was that? I don't know. Was that the Crawford County coming out in you? Did you secretly, uh, 
walk through those hollowed hills as well. Halls, I think, is what I was going for. The hills. They have eyes. So do your draws. <laughs> That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. We got some phone calls you on this. You guys are weird. I, the, the poll's also out there, so. All right, and, and where can the people well, find it? Well, it's very that? early in the poll, but it's on Afternoon Drive, uh, the show page here. Uh, afternoon 923 The Fan on All right. I, uh, So is it weird like when I was at Ohio State and I'd go to the equipment room and I'm like, hey, I need, I need a new girdle. And they'd give me a girdle, which was used by somebody at some point. But it's clean. What is a girdle for the people who don't know? I mean, tights, basic underwear. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, I don't know. That's different. That's Why is different. that different? Because that's, that's a... S- someone else's is junk has been on that, but it's been washed <laughs> since. The way you put it, that is just so delicate. I mean, um, like if, if I needed a new a jock strap, I'd go there and be like, "Hey, hey, Rob, I need a jock strap. He'd give me a jock strap, and it wasn't brand new." Yeah, but that's the difference between things that you do when you're 20 in a locker room versus things you do when you're 40 as an adult. That I think are what's the, what's the difference? I would I would about 20 years and a different environment entirely. Yeah, I just think you're off on this one. I. All right, so uh, the early returns, by the way, 96.9% saying yes. It's, uh, it's weird for men. Yeah, because you, you guys are the weird ones. To borrow a pair of, uh, sorry, it's, is it weird for men to borrow a pair of underwear? That are clean. Uh, yeah. 90, from, your fr- from your friend when you're at their house staying as a guest. 97% of people um, say we're not the weird ones. Yeah. but No, I think you guys are just really uncomfortable in your own skin. So Katie's here to give us a different perspective here. And uh, can you walk us through your thinking on this topic? I think that you generally do not share underwear. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's just a little bit gross. It's a, You know, I tend to be a little bit What's of a What's so gross about it? It's clean. Well, anyway. You wouldn't but... share a towel with your friend who came to stay at your house? Your friend comes over, they take a shower in your house, they, they, they use your towels, and then you take the towels and you're washing them down, you're walking them down to the laundry room and you see some skid marks. Isn't that gross? I feel yes, like. Yes, that is gross. Yeah, but why, why let them use the towel then? I feel like you if throw you had the a towel away, you, visiting, you throw the towel away. If I saw skin, <laughs> did you throw the towel away? Yeah, I'd probably throw it away. You would, okay? Yeah, yeah. I, I think probably, I would too. Yeah, that's. Right. I'm not. I'm not even a germaphobe. I want that and, Nick Wilson money. <laughs> well, no. The point is, I'll ask you to end up buying me the towels. All right. Uh, so, sorry, you didn't yeah. get a chance to finish your thought on this. I think generally it's just kind of not sanitary to share underwear. I, I understand. It, if there's like an emergency situation, not sanitary. but They're I clean. feel like, I mean, you could go to like the nearest, you know, quick shop place, like a target kind of, well, buy a three pack part. for, They're clean. you know, for your friend. They're clean. And, and, it's just if they're a not lot sanitary, of why would you parts why, touching so then why, why wouldn't you just, you should just throw away every underwear you ever wear because they're not sanitary. So no, pissed. it's just when you put it on somebody else's body. What about your body? I, if somebody Once was you put desperate it on, it's to borrow my right? underwear, okay. I would say, <laughs> yeah. you guys if you're idiots. fine with it, take them, but I do not want them back. My face is hurting. Whether I wash them in hot water or not, I, I, I don't want them back. Just keep uh, them. It's called a Tide Pod. Katie, Katie, <laughs> we appreciate your stance and your uh, your sanity. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, let's, let's go with uh, <laughs> Justin. Justin, welcome to the show. What you got for us? How's it going, guys? I don't think it's weird at all. Um, at the end of the day, what are you going to do if, you know, you don't have underwear? I mean, are you going to go commando? How is this How is know. this that big of a problem? And, yes, I would go commando. How is this, like, it, we live in America in 2024. There is not an underwear shortage crisis, all right? 
I know I can't, yeah, but if you're on the road for 25 days and somebody's need, all their stuff's dirty, I'm going to loan them a pair of underwear. If they're at your house, why don't you just wash the clothes? I guess that could have happened, but it was it was a, kind of an emergency. Which brings me back to, sorry, Justin, real quick, buddy. Which brings me back to. In fact, to, I think I just told him to keep them. Okay, but then they're no longer yours and they never were. You just bought them, but they never cohabitated. You, your boys never cohabitated the same room. So you, you would take someone's underwear and wear them and, t- and just keep them? Well, yeah, if you never wore them, if they're a brand new pair. No, no, no. They, and, they, they, if they're not brand new, if you, you need a pair of underwear, and I said, you, you can just keep them. No. You wouldn't wear but that's not you, the you scenario. Would, you no, 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 scenario. no, I'm, no. I'm changing the scenario. Well, no, that that's not what the scenario was. You said they were new draws, and that uh, <laughs> that you handed them over to him, and then he I never mean, gave them back. They might have been. I don't remember. The point is, I said just keep them. It's not I, a big deal. I would have liked to remember. Justin, continue, please. Yeah, I just don't think it's that big of a deal, especially if you if you know the person and you know that they're sanitary. Um, like a, a fresh pair of sanitary like fresh folded pair of underwear. It's not He's that big of a deal. agreeing with you. You're so defensive. You're not letting the guy who's agreeing with you make your case for you. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> one more time, bud. You want to give it one more run? I'm all right. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> right. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the support. That's yeah. Thanks for the support, Justin. I I. I cannot remember, and we got Carl, we're going to get to in a second, 216-474-0092, if you'd like to join in. I, it's, it's gone from, it's funny that you literally stunned me and stopped me in my tracks with, with what was an honest moment in saying that you shared underwear with a friend. I mean, you, act like, you act like we're cavemen. I mean, people used to wipe their butts with leaves. And when was that? Years ago. <laughs> many years ago this wasn't three weeks ago (laughs) by that rationale we can get away with almost anything because what happened years ago you know uh listen uh not a big fan (laughs) yeah i know i know but you're gonna sit here and doing it (laughs) in those dirty drawers i'm not gonna make it home i'll have to borrow someone's underwear (laughs) you sure you don't need them now can I borrow yours? But we went, you wouldn't fit. I wouldn't borrow yours. <laughs> but I could put both my legs <laughs> in one, one side. But we went from you making a real funny point on air that I did not see coming to then we kept trying to go back to give you credit. There's really nothing I wouldn't loan to a friend, I guess is the ultimate point. I mean, do you really get that big of a victory lap for sharing underwear? I mean, we're not talking about sharing like a, a, a Trojan here. Well, <laughs> well, under your theory, <laughs> there's nothing you wouldn't share with a friend. I mean, it's brand new. But then you got to run it through the laundry, right? I hate you. Take a, take a phone call. Carl. Welcome hey, to I the just- show. Thanks. Uh, I'm just calling in to say I agree with Dustin. And I was going to ask you guys: um, Do you do you run through all your underwear before you do laundry? Like you don't have like one pair that's usually like hanging out. That would be the pair I loan, and then they can decide if they want a free ball or they want to put them on. Wait. So now it's becoming like a Sophie's Choice. It's like a punishment like for them. Choose your own adventure. No, it's just it's the emergent pair, man. 
unless you run through all your clothes every time you do laundry, like there's one hanging out. So that, wait, all right, that's the that's the catch there, so, if need be. All right, so real quick, you're suggesting the only pair of underwear you you would I lend to a friend. I, I is legitimately have 45 pairs of clean underwear in my drawer at home. I, right? Yeah, no, I'm I'm on the same page, and I do I do laundry every week because I got to clean scrubs. So I'm never even close running out of underwear. So, but but just to be clear, did you say you would only lend them the dirty pair? No, not the dirty pair. Oh. There's the one that's like clean in the bottom of the drawer. Okay. That's usually isn't, the one that's not usually getting used. Yeah, it's like it's like br- right. break glass in All case right. of emergency. All right, Carl. Thank yeah. you very much. I, sorry about that, buddy. I cut you off there. That's my bad. Oh, I thought that's what you do. I thought Carl. You're the one that's interrupted two strict callers that agree with you that are trying to make points for you, only for you to then argue with them. You're loving this. I think this is my favorite. Like, I've had a rough week, man, and I'm feeling like a million dollars. Congratulations. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? How are you guys doing today? Um, that is debatable at the moment. I'm pretty freaking what hungry. I want to know is why are you guys wearing so much underwear? Because I like to, to support my boys. All right. Wait. I think you just <laughs> no, hit me with right. the Iverson there. So, this, so it's, le- it's, legit, legit question, though. Do you remember when you get out of the shower, the exact area where you uh, dry off at? Yeah, right, right, right. That area. Yeah, that area. Wait. You know, are we when, talking when the location in the bathroom? Or the proximity on your body. The location on your body. The location on the towel that you dry yourself off with down there. Yeah. So that tomorrow night. You might get some skid marks. (laughs) So that tomorrow night you don't use that area for your face. How, how, hey, by the way, Mike, a quick, quick question. (laughs) You're clean. How many, how many days, how many days do you go with a towel without washing it? Uh, usually about a week or so. Yeah, same. All right, Mike. That's reasonable. I don't really know that this was entirely germane to the conversation. That is reasonable. I'll back, I'll back you both up on but, that one. Yeah, I, I would say it depends on the marks left there uh, in Dustin's <laughs> hyper, I, whatever the hell I'm trying to say. <laughs> Hypothetical. That was the one I was looking for. Uh, it is now 91%, 92% of 203 votes. Your poll is slanted, dude. Where's the slant in this poll? You put it out, and it was leading. No. How is it leading? Is it, is it weird for men to borrow a pair of underwear? How is it leading? Is it not weird to borrow a pair? Like, what? what how, do you un, how do you unbias this poll? I mean, as long as they fit. Like, I wouldn't borrow your underwear. Well, yes, that's not the point. The point is, and what started the whole thing. I take pride in my hygiene, man. I think everything that I do with my clothes is very clean. (laughs) I think you've broken me, man. I think you have. I think, like, uh, sorry to the radio gods. This isn't going to win us a friggin' Marconi. I think this is just. My stuff is, my my clothes, they're very clean. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're the only person on the planet who worries about hygiene or clean clothes. I care a lot about it more than you do. Yeah, I guarantee that. That's clear, 100%. Yeah, Mr. Seven Days. And by the way, I don't object to the seven days for a, a, a fresh towel. I'm just saying you care a lot about hygiene. I do. If you were that if you were that anal retentive about uh, cleanliness, it'd be every day a new towel. Well, here's the thing. I actually have like five towels. 
Mm-hmm. At once? No, I, I, I use like five towels at a time. Like not at a time. Because like what happens is I get out of the shower. I use two towels to dry off and then I put the robe on. So it's like a whole process thing. And then I hang them up. Is there is there like a few people helping you? Like a couple druids? This no, is like, I'm not. This ain't Caesar's Palace, bro. Okay, didn't know. At this point, I don't know what to expect out of you for the rest of the show. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.